Hello there, Dave here. Just want to remind you that Tales from the Backlog is supported on Patreon by some personal heroes of mine, like Chris Nelson, and new patrons List Off, JD, Rick Firestone, and Colby Moyer. You can be like them and head on over to patreon.com slash realdavejackson, and you will get extra Tales from the Backlog treats. Thank you very much. Enjoy the show. everybody, my name is Dave Jackson, and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where each week I bring in a guest to talk about a game that we played. My guest today is a friend of the show, one of the three co-hosts, my second time having one of the hosts of the show on from the Play Along podcast, The Final Hope for Humanity, Ben Robinson. Hey, dude. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. Good to have you on the show. Jared was on the show before. Now I got you. Kai, I'm coming for you next, man. Yeah, I've been itching to get on, and uh, Kai will definitely make an appearance at some point. You've got to get the Holy Trinity. Yeah, so before we get into talking about our game for today, which is The Last of Us, why don't you take a second and explain to everybody what is going on over on Play Along Podcast? Yeah, so we are a, uh, a book club slash audiobook podcast, I guess. It kind of... We kind of dance along the line of those two genres. We essentially take a game, split it up into different sections, and then each week we will come together having played that certain section and discuss the plot in depth as well as gameplay mechanics, what we thought of it, general opinion, etc. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking to avoid spoilers, then we we are not the podcast for you unfortunately because we go very heavy into it right so those are our main series we do an interstitial in between the two main series so we will sort of just play like a one-off game play as much as we can come together discuss our time with it again and we all rotate so we sort of i i just picked martha is dead which we just finished at the time of recording um and then we Mm -hmm. played kirby's dream course as the interstitial and Kai is next up. He's chosen a quarry. So we've got a good little mix of, of games, kind of. Nine times out of ten, Kai is our is our indie person and Jared is our Nintendo person. And I right. tend to be the <laughs> the heavy story person. That's kind of like the the free. But I mean we've we've covered everything from Ocarina of Time, to Metal Gear, to Martha is Dead, to Kentucky Route Zero, Disco Elysium. There's like a whole range mm-hmm. there. And then yeah. the last one we have is um, Get Wrecked, which is our little side series we do once a month, where one of us will have on a guest, and we recommend each other a game that we haven't played. And then we will come together and discuss it as well. Because I actually wanted to drop that you was on an episode of it with Jared. I was, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And I think you, had, you played Until time. Dawn, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I played Until Dawn. He recommended a horror game for me. And uh, in very on-brand fashion, I uh, had Jared play Dark Souls, yeah. which he's still playing that. So, Or he just recently beat it or something like that. So I, I feel yeah. like I did good. Yeah, he just recently beat it, and he's already <laughs> sizing up his next FromSoft game. So you, you've unlocked some sort of beast inside of him. <laughs> yes. People, this is an audio-only format, but I'm grinning like a sicko over here. Like, I did it. I converted somebody. Yeah, that's so. <laughs> it. Mission accomplished. Yeah, so Play Along Podcast is a good time. I recommend it for everybody. And I, I just, I really like how, you know, this is a kind of week-by-week week book club. But, like, if I say... You know, next week, uh, we're or this week, we're talking about The Last of Us. It's not like someone can play through all of The Last of Us in a week and listen to this episode or something like that. But on your show, let's say you did cover The Last of Us. That would be a month, maybe, of episodes, yeah. four or five episodes, something like yeah, that. Yeah, we, we try to kind of split it up in such a way that not only can we play it, uh, in a decent time, but also anyone who's listening who wants to play along can. Like, we all, you know, we all have jobs and, you know, so we, also the three of us kind of really value, like, sounds wrong to say out of work-life balance, but, you know, like, we don't want the podcast to get in the way of seeing our family and spending time with our significant sure. others and stuff. So it's like, okay, we're going to, we we would rather break a game up like two or three hours a week of gameplay rather than having four or six hours a week because we can play other mm -hmm. games in between it so like i mean i was playing martha's dead but i was also playing guardians of the galaxy at the same time as well as getting back into like rocket league and stuff like that so it it just means right. that in that way it's more digestible for the viewer and for us it doesn't overly consume our life because anyone who doesn't do a podcast I, I don't think you'll understand the time <laughs> commitment of a podcast until you do one. Uh-huh. Yep. So that balance and like the kind of slow approach of it really uh, results in a really fun product. And then, like you said, you have the interstitials, you have the get wrecked shows where you, you kind of shake it up a little bit like that. So again, mm. I, I said it on the Pokemon episode that Jared was a guest on, but play along is a really good show. I recommend everyone go check that out. Oh, far too kind. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about The Last of Us, which is a third-person action-adventure game developed by Naughty Dog, published by Sony in 2013. And it just so happens that if you're listening to this on the day of release or a couple days after, that remake's coming out real soon. I mean, like a couple days after this episode comes out. So we're going to talk about the original game, uh, The Last of Us from 2013. Specifically, like I played the remastered version on PS4, uh, but I did play the original back in the day. So before we get into talking about uh, The Last of Us, I want to kind of get our histories with the game. Uh, so I, I mean, I just said I played it back in the day. I'll get into my history a little bit in a little bit more detail. But first, Ben, I want to give you a chance to share uh, what was it that made you want to play The Last of Us? And what's your history been with it over the last, you know, nine years or so? Oh, Lord. Um, this was <laughs> this was one of the most pivotal games in my game in history. Um, so I in 2013, I was just in my first year of university i'd moved away from my parents house and i was like 
getting into gaming a lot more. And so I I remember going through, we have a chain over here called, uh, technically it's called Sex, but I call it CEX. I don't okay. like referring to it as sex. That sounds weird. Uh-huh. But it's um, it's like a GameStop. It's like a secondhand store. They do like games and DVDs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was walking through and The Last of Us caught my eye. And I read the blurb on the back of the case. And I, so like in the UK, we have like student finance. You get like X amount of money towards your living costs and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got the money spare for this. And I was like, do you know what? Fuck it. You know, it, it's it sounds gritty. It's got zombies. It sounds like a good time, and I just bought it on a whim. And holy hell, did it change my life! Um, okay, I I played it on the PS3, and then I got a PS4, and then I bought the remaster, and I played the DLC. I played the multiplayer, um, and. To the point where, I mean, I know this is an, aud- an audio format, but I can I can show you. I don't know if you can see it. I have a Firefly tattoo. Oh, yeah, I see it right there. Yep. He's not lying, folks. Like, it's this, there. <laughs> this this game is absolutely pivotal. Um, but I do want to say that I am... I feel like I'm quite good at removing bias from when I love something. Um mm-hmm. You know, I spent like eight years reviewing games and, you know, I did it with the Metal Gear series on Play Along. I, I'm, I can distance myself from my love of the product to critique it. So it's not going to be all fanboy, fanboying, but yeah, it, this game was a big deal for me. All right. Game on. Uh, so for me, I didn't have a PS3. So when this game came out and started getting all the, you know, rave reviews and stuff, I was playing my Wii U or whatever I had at the time. And uh, people just kept telling me like, oh, The Last of Us, this is or like, you know, game reviewers and stuff like that. Game of the year and stuff is like, this is one of the best games ever made. And I was like, shit, I got to borrow a PS3. Eventually, I did get a friend to let me borrow his PS, his uh, PS3. Um, and I played it and I got a couple hours into it and I did not like it. Like I, I quit playing. I got frustrated. There was a very specific stealth section, uh, that I was like, fuck this game. Playing this game sucks. Like (laughs) I enjoyed the production value and the voice acting and all of that stuff. And I was into the story. I just didn't like playing it at all. So I put it down. I became that guy who, Whenever someone talked about The Last of Us, I was like, actually, it's not that good. That was me for a while. And then it's it's free on the like the PS. Well, PS Plus is a fucking mess now. But at the time, PS Plus collection, if you have a PS5, you get all these free PS4 games and sign up for PS Plus. Right. So it was free. I decided to give it another shot. Uh, part of the appeal of giving games another shot is that I can look with a more critical eye for the show. And so I wanted to replay it for the podcast and see if I could get through it and stuff like that. And I did. And that gets us into some opening thoughts before we talk about the spoiler policy and like dig into it. Just some opening thoughts. Like, uh, I think this game is really good now. Like I came around on it. I played on easy mode though, because I have some issues with the gameplay. Um, I turned the difficulty mm, down to easy. Wrong with that, man. No, like this is how I, this is actually how I play all the Uncharted games too. Cause I just don't, 
Um, I don't think Naughty Dog does difficulty very uh, in a very interesting way. So I turned it down to easy. I got through the gameplay. I enjoyed it more this time. And uh, I again, I really enjoyed the story. The voice acting and production is, it frankly, like even more impressive now uh, because I'm playing a bunch of new games that have really high production value and stuff. And then here's this game from almost 10 years ago and it. It looks almost as good as stuff that's coming out these days. The voice acting and stuff is, I mean, it's on par, if not better than a lot of stuff that's coming out these days. So I came out pretty positive on this. I do have some gameplay things that I don't love, but we'll get into that uh, in a little bit. Ben, I know you already gave your kind of um, a little bit of opening thoughts, like what the game means to you, but do you have anything else just kind of in general before we dig into it? No, just the, I mean, I agree with what you're saying in terms of the gameplay. Um, if you, if you talk to anyone who is a fan of the game or has played the game, they will mention the AI and we'll, we'll get into that later. But the, the AI in The Last of Us is almost infamous for <laughs> how it acts during gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and again, we'll get into it a bit later, but I think that, I think that this game really, solidified sony's approach to like first party games and especially naughty dog in particular Mm -hmm. um and you know i it probably sounds a bit over the top to say but i think it's because of games like the last of us that we ended up with the god of war reboot being how it was yeah i definitely definitely noticed that too like it's it's undeniable that this was kind of like a sea change i think for the way at least Sony first party uh, trends these days. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This was almost like, um, almost like a, not necessarily a shot in the dark because it has the production value and the, and the voice acting to back it up, but it was something different from Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah, they've, they've been running with it since. Yeah. So before we dig into the game itself, I just want to give the spoiler policy for this episode. There's nothing really special uh, about this game's spoiler policy. We're going to save story details for the end, uh, including things that I think are fairly common knowledge uh, regarding like how the story gets set up uh, at the beginning, but we're still going to save that because it is a big, big story moments and we're going to mostly talk about the gameplay and then the story kind of in a very broad way in the non-spoiler part. So again, check the show notes for the spoiler wall. There's a timestamp. If you have not played the game and you're at all worried about being spoiled, don't listen past that point. We are going to take a little music break, and when we come back, it's time to get into it. So I kind of brought up the story of The Last of Us before the break, and we're just going to kind of set up what's going on in the story. This is set in a post-zombie apocalyptic uh, Boston and other locations across the United States. There's a fungus called Cordyceps, which is a real fungus, but in the game's fiction has jumped the species barrier, uh, causing an infection that turns people into zombies. 
Uh, you play as Joel, who is escorting a 14-year-old girl named Ellie across the United States uh, with the hope of finding safety, finding people, finding hope, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's all I'm going to say as to what the quest is all about, uh, what's going on, uh, you know, what's what's going on with these characters, uh, stuff like that. The story is fairly standard, lots of, you know, zombie tropes that are in a lot of, you know, zombie media and stuff. But I do think that it it, it does play a big part in the grand like plot of the game and why some of the moments hit as hard emotionally as they do. So I do want to stop there uh, as far as like what's going mm. on, but you're playing as Joel uh, most of the time uh, voiced by who's he voiced by voiced by Troy Baker. Troy Baker. Yeah. Troy Baker. That's I always get Troy Baker and Nolan North mixed up and it's even worse than this game because Nolan North is also in this game he is uh, voicing a character that you would never, ever guess, though. So I want people to play that, try and figure out who Nolan North is, uh, because it's very different from his normal roles. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Ellie is voiced by Ashley Johnson. Um, I just We'll just get this out of the way. I think the voice acting is incredible in this game, especially by the main cast. But there is no one in the entire game where I was like, hmm, I don't know about that. Everyone is, yeah. they are incredible in this game. Yeah, and it's it's kind of one of the reasons why it was so pivotal to me because I'd always just thought, oh yeah, voice acting is like just someone in a booth just saying lines. But mm -hmm. to be able to, I mean, nine times out of ten, they're normally like watching a screen with the gameplay unfolding as they're sort of doing their lines. So to be able to, to put as much emotion into it as they do and to really convey how their characters are feeling in that moment mm -hmm. is is absolutely crazy that that it comes across as well as it does yeah it's i mean this is 2013 so like games had voice acting and stuff like that but this was like i don't know this is i think is part of the sea change of like oh you can get like incredible voice work and you can, this is like kind of the start i feel like or at least the popularization of like these super cinematic first person games like we talked about before and part of that is getting good voice talent getting them into roles that are really good i think the writing in this game is pretty good like everything works together uh, to deliver this story uh, in a really compelling way yeah and I mean, as much as there are a lot of tropes of the zombie genre, they they act as a springboard for the rest of the plot points. Mm -hmm. It's like you 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 almost you're like, oh, this is a trope. I, I know what's going to happen. Okay, right. And then all of a sudden, it, it throws you a curveball. Yeah, for me, like I don't watch a ton of zombie stuff people who know me and listen to the show know that i don't like scary stuff so i don't watch a ton of zombie media the last thing i watched zombie wise was like train to busan but you know I, I think i was put off by that movie being in korean and i was just like oh, i don't know what the hell's going on here so <laughs> for that one i didn't really pick up on a lot before it was like 28 days later was like the last zombie thing that i watched that was a long fucking time ago oh, wow so 
I did recognize a lot of the things as zombie tropes, but only after they happened. And I was like, oh, right, of course, that's mm-hmm. what happened. But in the moment, yeah. I'm in it. And you're right, it d- it was just throwing curveballs, a lot of stuff I, I didn't quite expect. Yeah, just, just that. Like I said, there are lots of things that happen that lead on to other things that happen further down the line. And... Mm-hmm. Without without saying too much about part two, that's something that carries on into part two. Part two is the finale of everything that happened in this game, and that's why it's part two and not a sequel. Right. Kind of along the line of voice acting here, uh, I made a note that everyone in this game has a southern accent, like southern U.S. accent, which is weird because not everyone's from the South. This not The whole game's not taking place in the South. And uh, I just kind of wonder, like, this is after a, you know, zombie apocalypse and society's like pretty close to collapsing if not fully collapsed. Is this just like the natural state of humans to uh to have a gruff southern accent like Joel and everybody else in the game? It must be. Like I mean, what the game takes place what? Like 20 years after the outbreak is yeah, when you start not, playing something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, not it's not so super long. No, all I can imagine is that Boston Bostonites were the only ones to survive, and they just <laughs> spread across the now empty U.S. Like that's I, maybe it's maybe there's some like unconscious thing about society, uh, us Northerners, uh, us Yankees, that we're on guard, we're on our guard, and we have to keep our accent going. And then you know, when society collapses, you don't have any, you don't have to worry about that shit anymore. So you you let your hair down, and <laughs> this is the true American accent. <laughs> yeah. It's the true American accent, for sure. I, I think if I learn anything from this game, it's that after society's collapsed, I'm going to be saying y'all a whole lot more than I do right now. Oh, that must be the key to survival. There's <laughs> something about it. Yeah. So traveling, um, you, you go on this quest, Joel and Ellie go on this quest. Uh, along the way, they encounter various forms of infected um, zombies. There's off the top of my head, maybe three or four types uh, of zombies that you encounter um, at progressing Sounds stages right, yeah. of the infection. Yeah, uh, you'll come across military bandits, uh, other enemies, and stuff like that who stand in your way. And without spoiling too much, I just kind of wrap up talking about the story here. I think that this game's story follows a lot of you know, yeah, well trodden territory as far as zombie stories go but the way that the story concludes and why i'm so interested in playing part two because i haven't yet uh, why i'm so interested in because the way that the story goes in this game especially at the end is so good like the the questions that it asks and the decisions that the characters make and the kind of what they have to live with after this game's over is so incredibly like thought provoking and like just I wouldn't have expected this uh, from a video game. This is something that like if a movie did this this type of ending um, and these types of things, uh, mostly in the back half of the game, I would be just like you know one of those movies where you drive home from the theater and you're too lost in thought and you get lost when you're driving home. That's kind of how I felt after I finished uh, the end of this game too. So I'm obviously not going to say what happens, but I do think that it's excellent. And also this is not a really long game. So if you're kind of on the fence about playing this, 
I think that this is a story that is worth experiencing. And Ben, I kind of feel like you probably agree with me here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's strange. Like there are there are small curveballs throughout the story. Like we said, you sort of you think one thing's going to happen, something else happens, or something you wasn't expecting. But that ending, um, I don't know. Yeah, I was I was not ready for that ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in my I was in my first year of my psychology degree, and the I don't want to I don't want to oversell it, but like the the philosophical conundrums that are presented mm-hmm. absolutely threw me for a hoop. Yeah, because you you you're left standing there going, oh, shit. What would I have done? Would I have been able to do this, or would I have done that, or you know? And it it kind of makes you makes you think. It's one of the one of the best games I've played that gets across the character's mission and puts you in their shoes. Like yeah. I've, I've been hard stroked to find a game that has done it as well as the last of us yeah well said you know i've played a lot of games uh throughout the years that i feel like have good compelling and affecting stories and this one especially just what you said at the end the choices they make and that kind of philosophical conundrum that is something that like anytime i start to think about it i'm just like fuck that is it's it's just really well conceived and it's really well executed uh, too. Again, the mm-hmm. voice acting, the animation for the characters' faces and stuff like that, all of that is just excellent. So can't really speak highly enough of uh, where that goes. And I can't wait to talk about that in the spoiler section. For now, we can talk about the gameplay and what it's like to play The Last of Us. And this is kind of a very light criticism of it is that there are three kind of modes to playing the last of us. There is exploration, there is, um, combat and there is, uh, kind of stealth. And those three Mm. don't really cross over, you know, they're not fluid. Yeah. You, you have a, you have a place where there's no enemies at all. And then when you cross a threshold, now the enemies pour in and it's stealth time. And then once stealth is broken, uh, you can never regain stealth, really. It's combat time. And again, it's a very light criticism because this is what, this is Naughty Dog's thing. The Uncharted games are like this too. You have your climbing sections, you have your walk and talk sections, and then you have your combat. And that's kind of just how it goes. In the exploration parts, you're going around gathering supplies, uh, doing some very light Uh, puzzle solving, a lot of loose ladders, uh, a lot of empty dumpsters to roll around to climb on top of (laughs) in this game. Um, Those kind of got old, uh, especially later when you're doing a bunch of stuff involving rafts uh, and like, you know, throwing rafts down into the water because Ellie can't swim, pushing people through the water. And those got really fucking old. The ones with the ladders and stuff, they, you know, they last 15 seconds. They're not a big deal. Yeah, it's um when it's something like that. So I mean, the I don't know how many people sort of know this, but The Last of Us popularized the uh I don't know how to refer it. I called it the in-game loading screen. So mm-hmm. 
there are lots of sections in The Last of Us where you will be crawling through a uh, narrow pass or yeah. getting a ladder or spamming triangle to lift something up. Mm-hmm. And what the game is doing is de-rendering the world behind you and rendering the world that you're about to step into. Mm-hmm. And so it nullifies that loading screen and, and helps with the immersion and doesn't take you out of the experience. And yeah, you, that that's something that if you're listening to this now, you're like, oh, well, every game does that. And it's like, yeah, but they, they didn't used to. Yeah. So I was just going to say it's that that classic like, oh, there's this, um, you know, there's this this crevice between two buildings that I'm just thin enough to shimmy through. And let me take 15 seconds to shimmy through that. A lot of that going on in this game. too. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so ones like that, it's not terrible, especially because nine times out of 10, based on my memory, uh, I should say I've played this game like three or four times. I haven't played it for a while. I I brushed up on the plot before we recorded, but Mm -hmm. From my memory, a lot of the times during these like in-game loading screens, there will be dialogue between Joe and Ellie, mm-hmm. and they kind of uh, will be discussing either what just happened, or Ellie will be uh, probing questions into Joel's past, because Joel's a very closed-off individual, so she'll be trying to poke and get to know him a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, those ones where it's 15 seconds, they're not too bad. But there are certain sections that last for a long time. Naughty Dog are the kings of here is a dumpster, press triangle to grab it and move it and get it to this place so you can jump up on the ledge. And it's something that's very prevalent in this game. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't mind it. I know some people... Like, don't like those things. It's not a deal breaker. No, I mean, I, it's first, it's presented in a, in a cinematic way. Like you said, there's at the, at the very worst, you're going to have to watch Joel shimmy through a crack for five to 10 seconds and then it's done and you're moving on. Um, I know some people have an issue with those. I don't really care, especially in a game like this that is very cinematic in the first place. Like, this is part of why you're playing The Last of Us is, you want that cinematic experience and well, sometimes you got to pick up a ladder and carry it and carefully place it like very carefully place it against the side of a building or something like that. So not a huge deal during the exploration. Uh, one of the big things you're doing is gathering supplies uh, for your crafting uh, throughout the game. And so this is a good time to talk about that. I am not a fan of crafting in most games. I just watched a Nintendo direct this morning had a bunch of games that were focused on crafting in genres that I don't think should be focused on crafting. Uh, I'm a grump when it comes to this. However, I think the crafting in The Last of Us is really good. Uh, Number one, because it always feels great when you find a little stash of stuff, Uh, when you find some duct tape or you find some uh, alcohol or something like that. Feels great to find that. And number two they strike this really great balance where you never feel like you have too many crafting supplies. And sometimes you'll run pretty low, but you'll never run out in a way that you are like fucked and can't continue. Mm -hmm. That was my experience. So what this turned into was a very kind of diegetic, like 
there's a combat thing coming up. I, I see a bunch of waist high walls. You know, there's, there's going to be some combat coming up here. Let me top off. Let me make sure I have some Molotovs. Let me make sure I have some shivs and stuff like that. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't craft 35 of them. You can carry two or three. And it's a, it's just a very, I don't want to say realistic, but it's a, you know, more believable kind of crafting system that directly ties into combat and stealth in a way that I think is awesome. Yeah. And it's, I I think a lot of the balance comes from the fact that there are only like four or five fins that you can craft. Yeah. There's only like three or four materials that you pick up in the first place too. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you might pick up some metal parts and you're like, oh, okay, well, am I going to use that for a shiv or am I going to try and make some sort of explosive device? And Mm -hmm. there are pros and cons to each and you kind of have to weigh up, you know, do I want to use this one ingredient? I Because nine times out of 10, the one ingredient will be able to make two different fins and you have to choose which one you want. And I think that's where the, the balance comes from it because, you know, items are scarce. Like you said, resources are scarce and ever so often you'll hit a jackpot and you'll kind of be like, right, okay, right, I can finally get some health packs back. And then later down the line, you'll be trying to craft something and you're like, oh, crap, I haven't got any of them because I just made like four health packs mm-hmm. and I should have used it for something else. Yeah. And I, I think that's what it is. I think that balance is, you know, simplistic recipes, simplistic materials. That's it, you know. We need X amount of stuff to survive. That's what we're going with. And like, I again, I think crucially, a small amount of stuff that you can find, a small amount of stuff that you can hold at any one time. So you're not, you know, crafting Molotovs. You you can't carry unlimited Molotovs like you might be able to in another game. In this one, it's like you can hold two or three Mm -hmm. max. And so those materials the materials you find are precious the things you make become very precious you want to make all of that stuff count uh using them so the crafting kind of ties into like the desperation of you know how the story's going uh the crafting and the combat are very desperate as well because again you're not just like you're not the terminator carrying you know an arsenal of stuff you have enough that you know Joel has a backpack on he could probably fit three molotov cocktails in there if he wants to but it's uh it it really works in a way that like yeah i just i hate crafting in so many games and in this game i was like this is actually really good well because it's it's also like like you said you know joel is a human he is a dude traveling across america with a backpack he's not a super soldier with a bag of holding and you know the ability to carry 10 times his body weight he is mm-hmm. just a dude yep and uh one thing kind of continuing on with Joel just being a dude uh talking about the stealth uh in this game the stealth is pretty i don't know simple i guess uh you crouch around there's usually waist high things that you can hide behind whether it's, you know, road barricades or desks or something like that that you're hiding behind. Mm -hmm. So you enter stealth mode when enemies come in. Usually you get a chance to do it stealthy first uh, before, you know, the gunfighting starts or the zombies come swarm you. 
So you're crouching around. You can do your stealth takedowns, uh, whether you do them, um, you know, <laughs> with your arms the way God made you, uh, or you can use shivs, but shivs break. Uh, so you need to craft new shivs. And like we said, those materials are not infinite. So you have to be really choosy about you want to use a shiv on this person and take them down super quietly, or are they far enough away from the rest of the group that I can choke them out? Basically, they're going to make some sound if you do that, though. So you have a little bit of choice about how you want to do it. And the other thing you can do in stealth, the other main thing is you can uh, throw bottles and bricks and stuff like that to kind of make a sound and divert attention away from you or draw enemies into a an area. Maybe you want to group them up together before you throw a Molotov, or maybe you want to send them over one way so you can go the other way. You can throw stuff and do that. Um, before I get into it, Ben, do you enjoy the stealth in this game? Yes and no. Um, I feel like the stealth is helped by the crafting system we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that that scarcity of things. And I mean, for instance, you were talking about the shivs. Uh, a little later on, as you're as you're going through, you'll start to encounter infected, and one of those infected is uh, is like blind. Is purely sight. Uh, is purely sound based, mm-hmm. and that's where these bottles and bricks come into play because you can throw a brick and drag or like bring one of these creatures towards you and then you've got to use your shiv to kill it which your shiv breaks so now you need to weigh up do i want to shiv this creature or do i want to just try and get around it mm-hmm. but then there's also the element of um other creatures will hear that you know that if there's multiple of them they will all kind of come towards this sound mm-hmm. um and i mean I, I feel like its simplicity helps it, and its crafting system helps it. But I, I don't know how much you want to talk about. I'm sh- we'll talk about the AI <laughs> probably after the spoiler wall. But the, mm-hmm. the AI does not help this game's stealth system whatsoever. Yeah, this this is kind of like I, I don't love the stealth, and it, it's mostly because I just find it very hard to predict what's going to happen, and that might be AI. That might also just be because if you want to take the other side of that and say, well, you know, intelligent enemies are unpredictable, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. And because you're not always just stealthing against dumb zombie types, sometimes you're stealthing against soldiers and stuff like that. So my thing was just like, I got caught often when I felt like I should not have gotten caught. And. Mm. The thing is, I said earlier, once stealth is broken, stealth is broken forever. You will never get back into that fully stealth um, mode again. Yeah. So I just got into like this kind of mindset where uh, maybe about halfway through the game, I just kind of made peace with the fact that I'm going to have to break stealth before I think I you know, deserve to have gotten caught. And then it's game on. I'm playing on easy mode anyway, so it's not like it's uh, as difficult as it would be. I I remember playing this game um, on the standard difficulty the first time I played it way, way back in 2014 or so. And the stealth, a stealth section against some military pretty early in the game was the reason I stopped playing because I just thought like, this is bullshit. 
and you're pretty under you know underpowered at that point in the game to take on a bunch of military dudes when stealth gets broken so i don't yeah i don't love this yeah yeah i was just gonna say like it is it is possible to well you don't ever really regain the stealth you can break line of sight but they will stay on high alert regardless like you'll never you'll you'll never regain that they'll always know you're there and they'll always be searching for you Mm -hmm. and this is this is the thing with the ai is that sometimes it's it feels clanky and you're not sure but then other times it acts in certain ways you're like what the hell you know for instance with you know the the creatures the infected themselves they are relentless and seemingly feel no pain and no matter what you do to them they will come to you until you put them down for good Mm -hmm. and And then go ahead Oh, sorry, I was going to say, and then the, the enemy, like the soldiers, the humans, yeah, they'll do things like um, it has the Naughty Dog mechanic where if there's tall grass, you'll crouch and hide and you can take bodies out in the grass and remain hidden. Mm-hmm. But if a human soldier or militia or whoever discovers a body, that automatically triggers that alert phase and they're like, okay, right, someone is here. Mm-hmm. Which is fair enough, I guess, but it's it's just, like I said, I, I always felt like, you know, I executed what I was trying to do and I get caught or like I go through it, I die because I get caught. So I'm going to try it, try a different ap- approach the next time. Or like I figure out, you know, mm-hmm. throw a bottle, distract this guard, go past the window. And so I'll die a few times and it's very inconsistent whether that strategy will work or not. Like just felt like this time I threw the bottle, the guard followed the bottle, but I still got caught arbitrarily. And it's just kind of frustrating. And it's it's worse with the infected because some of them kill you in one hit if they run up on you. Oh, yes. And that is, I mean, getting killed in one hit is something that's no fun in any game, uh, let alone a game where, you know, Joel's not the most spry dude. He he moves around pretty heavy uh, in this, <laughs> at least in this one. You know, I've seen gameplay from The yeah. Last of Us Part Two where Ellie is, you know, flying around like a monkey. But in this one, once you, once someone sees you, especially an infected, you can't just like run away from it. Or, you know, I mean, he's a 40 year old dude at this point. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it makes sense. But from a gameplay perspective, like, yeah, it, it's just, it's too frustrating, a little bit mm. inconsistent. I think the good, one of the good things is that Ellie is invisible. Uh, this would have been insufferable if Ellie was visible to the enemies because, you know, they just made her invisible and then just said like, don't even try to make her act in a believable way. She's just like running across, you know, rooms full of zombies. Um, but luckily she's invisible. They can't catch on to her. Uh, so that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I, I got on the little Google doc here. I put next to your Ellie is invisible. No, I put naughty dog trope because my, my other half just recently finished uncharted four Mm -hmm. and, uh, the characters in Uncharted 4, it's not just Nate, it's, there's people with him, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing, they're invisible, and 
they just run around. You'll be hiding behind a wall and they just full on run <laughs> three foot in front of an enemy. Uh huh. And you're like, thank God, because they, they just run around like mad people. Yeah. And it, it, like I said, it would have been, would have been the worst if Ellie was able to like trip up, you know, alerts and stuff like that. But that's oh, luckily yeah. not the case. Uh, out of curiosity, I, I remember having trouble specifically with, um, I can't remember what the term for them in the game is, but I, I just remember them as the running enemies. There was sections with these like little, they kind of looked like the jockeys from Left for Dead. They were sort of like small infected that ran around on all fours. Oh. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember having a ton of trouble. There was one section. I mean, even if I described it to you, it would sound pretty generic. Uh, it's is one section where there's a a ton of them, and you have to kill all of them uh, in this section. And mm-hmm. it's an indoor section, and you make a bunch of noise, and suddenly, like seven zombies are running full speed right at you. Um, those yep. got a little frustrating because you know sometimes, like stealth, was just like I felt like was not an option there's just too many enemies in some of these things so that can lead us into talking about combat go ahead yeah no i was just gonna say because the it's the speed that done me Mm -hmm. because they it sounds cliche to say but like you will break line of sight with these creatures and once you've broken line of sight with them you just have no clue where they are yeah and i don't know I guess if we're if we're talking, yeah, sort of gameplay mechanics. I was going to say about the the hearing right. system. I was just going to say that the, yeah. the like echolocation that Joel has. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he has this like ability. I think it's if you hold L one, uh, the world goes grey, and you can see the outline. It's, it's specifically the outline of anything that's making noise, and that's why these little dudes were giving me so much trouble because they are silent when they run. Mm-hmm. And so once you lose line of sight with them, you don't know where they are. And that was what was screwing me over with those specifically. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, I don't recall having an issue with that in particular. It was more just like, you know, once you do break stealth, uh, which is a good you know, segue into talking about combat, th- you will have, you know several dozens sometimes of enemies running straight at you uh the regular ones are not so tough but there are some that are just like super fast are running right at you When you do break stealth, 
for some enemies, uh, you can just melee kill them. Uh, there is a melee combat uh, kind of mechanic, and you have melee weapons that you can carry uh, with your fists, shivs, uh, you know, two by fours, pipes, etc. You can upgrade them to have nails sticking out of them and stuff like that. Uh, I think the melee combat in this game is terrible. Uh, too many just big swings and misses. Um, really hard to line up, you know, hits, especially if you're. There are some where you're you're in one-on-one melee combat with humans, and I thought that was really just like, again, Joel's not an expert fighter, so if you want to make the argument that he's going to miss sometimes, cool, but from a gameplay perspective, pretty frustrating to die, Mm -hmm. you know, multiple times just because like, you know, Joel is just whiffing in in melee combat. Um, I didn't like this a whole lot. He is power over technique when he has a two by four (laughs) in his hand. Yeah. But you, I mean, to, to counter your counter and just play devil's advocate a bit, like as much as you could make a realism argument for Joel being, you know, a man in his forties, early fifties, whatever, this, this is also his job, essentially. Uh huh. He, he is. I was going to say he's like running around, uh, you know, sort of transporting stuff. That's his job. He's come into contact with people, yeah. I would assume, anyway. So to me, I would imagine that he has at least some self-taught combat experience. Yeah, not only is he a survivor of a zombie apocalypse hellscape for two decades, uh, he this is he's also a mercenary who is you know they make it very clear earlier in the game that he's a killer he is mm-hmm. very versed in you know violence he's a violent he's battle hardened yeah. yeah so I guess that is a good counter to my uh, playing devil's advocate on myself you know what fuck it he should not <laughs> uh, melee combat should not be as hard as it is uh, in this game I don't know what it is about the human enemy uh, human enemies like they. They move like Muhammad Ali. It is mm-hmm. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, definitely. It doesn't matter. You can you can line something up perfect, and they will still somehow duck out of the way. And you're like, what the crap? Like, it what? happens happens too often. Melee combat against the zombies is not so bad, except for uh, the clickers, like you said, the ones that they can't see, but they respond to sound, and they will kill you in one hit if they get up next to you, mm-hmm. uh, unless you have a shiv handy to shiv them away but then you have to kill them or they'll just come right back at you and kill you and it it feels killing them feels kind of like qte-ish and there are qtes in the game like in combat and stuff uh like some set piece moments too which was more the style at the time than it is now um i don't mind qtes though that's not a huge kind of huge criticism for me qtes are fine the main thing that made me want to switch the difficulty down to easy was the gunfighting, uh, which you're going to do a lot of gunfighting uh, in this game. So it's third person and it's kind of heavy. I've described it as Joel feels like he's a Dark Souls character moving around. So this is not Nathan <laughs> he's a chunky dude. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, he's he's 40 years old. He's got a he's had a hard life. His knees are not the best probably so <laughs> yeah. moving around slowly um you have cover the cover is not it's not a very fun cover shooter i don't think and at the beginning of the game mm. 
your aim is like artificially uh, lowered, like your ability to aim because there's this thing called gun sway and you have to spend a, a, a skill point or two to get rid of gun sway, which should yes, be yeah. should be something that everyone does uh, if you're listening and thinking fucking about playing. mercenary though. He is. So like, again, if, if, if you put me in the zombie apocalypse and I'm missing shots all the time, that's cool because I've never shot a gun in my life. But Joel, he's killing people all the time. So why is he just struggling to aim down the barrel of something that's standing still uh, until you spend, you know, your kind of skill point resources actually drugs in this game it's not skill points you pick up generic <laughs> yeah. generic yeah. bottles of pills that increase your skills <laughs> so you can get rid of that gun sway after that the third person shooting is fine it feels heavy but this is a heavy feeling game but mm. until you get to that point pretty frustrating uh to shoot and ammo is pretty limited so every time you miss you're like fuck how did i miss yeah. that it's it's very akin to um, the Gears of War sort of style where, if I remember, sometimes it's, it does get a bit clunky because Joel will, like, auto-cover when you're near a low wall or mm-hmm. things like that. And so sometimes you don't want to cover. Either that or you're, like, you want to lean over your right shoulder, but Joel goes over the left shoulder and your view is all messed up. And it's a little bit wonky mm-hmm. in that way sometimes. Yeah, it's just like you said, it's not um it's definitely not the best third person gunfighting that mm-hmm. I've played. But uh, I wonder know. how much of it though is is to do with Naughty Dog trying to force you down that path of stealth and avoiding confrontation because there are areas where you can if you're if you're fucking amazing at stealth you can avoid gunfights altogether but you have to be so good yeah rarely if ever happened to me um should be noted though like this is this is not like a kind of gallery shooter like uncharted can be uh from time to time this is a lot grittier um, and it, you definitely feel it cause I've played all the uncharted games and this, you know, there are some ways where you can be like, yes, this is what naughty dog does, but this definitely feels different from the uncharted, uh, combat, even the old, even like uncharted one feels a lot mm. smoother, faster than this, which is fine. Cause that's what this game's going for. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of. You have to, you have to take the punches as they come, you know, like this. I know we keep saying about Joel's age and stuff, but this is a game about a 40 year old man traveling across America. Like he's, he's not a 20 year old Nate Drake. He's not going to be swinging from ropes and, you know, <laughs> jumping here, there and everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I, I think something that is a, like a uh point of evidence for that is part two last of us part two without going into that is that like you said you've probably seen videos online or trailers like ellie is a lot more spry Mm -hmm. she runs here there and everywhere and the gameplay is a lot faster paced compared to when you're controlling joel right so not to kind of 
well, we can plant this seed for now. This is one of the big things I wonder about the remake, uh, which is how is it going to feel to control Joel? Because kind of, you know, if you want to take this from a diegetic perspective, Joel should not be flying around doing front flips and somersaults like Ellie does uh, in part two. (laughs) But I I do think they're going to smooth that out. We'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. One thing that I think is really great about this uh, gunfighting is that ammo is scarce, but you should never fully run out. You'll have lots of situations where you will, uh, especially early in the game, later in the game, you'll have so many weapons that you, you'll run out of ammo for a couple, but you'll have enough ammo for the rest early in the Mm -hmm. game. You maybe you only have one or two weapons, uh, to pick from. And it's, it's just a very well designed, uh, system where you always feel like you don't have enough ammo, but you actually do, but you really don't feel like you do. And kind of maybe one of those hidden things where like, if you kill an enemy with a pistol and you're low on pistol ammo, that enemy will drop pistol ammo, something like that. Mm-hmm. But the the feeling of scarcity that they give you with your ammo is is really, really good. And you're always kind of on edge about how much ammo you have. Yeah. I mean, I I remember finding myself, I mean, I chose every single shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like as soon as, as soon as I had the impression that ammo was scarce, like you said, you never really... It truly, it doesn't go to the like early Resident Evil levels where you're just like, I have no fucking bullets. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you, you always get to that point where you're close and, you know, I would find myself being like, okay, I've shot that guy a couple of times. He's close to being dead, but I'm not going to shoot him again. I'm not going to wait for him to pop up. I'm going to run behind and I'm going to kill him with the pipe. I'm going to save the bullets. Right. And the same um, goes for so melee kind of, too, because your melee weapons have health yeah. too. So sometimes you will be like, you know, if I hit that guy with the pipe, it's going to break, but I do have five bullets left. I'll just shoot him. Something like that. Yeah. Because melee weapons are also somewhat scarce, not as much as the ammo, um, but there can be times where once your melee weapon is broken, you might not get another one for 20, 30 minutes, which mm-hmm. depending on the situation feels like an eternity. Yeah. It's it's a really good, again, we talked about it with the crafting supplies, but the feeling of scarcity uh, with resources in general is just really good. It's really well balanced, and it gives you that feeling without ever, like you said, giving you that actual moment where you're like, I have no ammo at all, and so I'm screwed. I never had that situation. Mm. Now, I was playing on easy, uh, put that out again, so enemies died quicker in my game, but I have a feeling that they um, they balanced it for higher difficulties well. Some people have said that playing this game on the hardest difficulty makes the combat sing in a way that it probably doesn't on easy mode. I'm skeptical, mm-hmm. but I do kind of, you know, these are people whose opinions I trust. So there, that is out there if you're the type to try super hard difficulties. I will try and let you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because the the issue, the reason I turned it down to easy is because Naughty Dog has a huge tendency to just make enemies bullet sponges. I hate that about the Uncharted games. That's why I play them on easy. And it was starting Mm -hmm. to be that way in The Last of Us also. So I just switched it down to easy, did not look back. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about Uncharted. Like I said, my my partner, who's also called Ellie, um, 
was playing Uncharted 4 and one of the enemies in Uncharted 4 that you encounter is a dude in fully padded out riot armor oh, that, yeah, with a helmet and a minigun. Yeah. yeah, and I remember just kind of watching her play. Like, I was just sitting on my phone and I'm like, I can hear her getting extremely annoyed. I look up and I see him. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I I got that feeling in this game. And even on easy mode, there are a couple of uh, big bads in The Last of Us that I was like, I've shot this thing 40 fucking times. It It's time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not hitting me anymore. I have solved this combat scenario. Just let this end, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I mean, we we spoke about it a bit pre-recording, but for me, when we're talking bullet sponges, the bloaters are are the enemy that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Which is a because they trope are like in video games, yeah, big yeah. fat enemies take thirty times the amount exactly. of bullets that a that a you know a skinny enemy would take. Yeah, it's like this what seven foot tall accumulation of this coraceps fungus mm-hmm. that shoots spores and I, I wonder if it was deliberate right because I remember the section where you first encounter the bloater I remember thinking man I'm doing good I've got lots of health packs I've got lots of shivs I got lots of ammo I'm doing good mm-hmm. and then this fucking bloater appears and after the bloater fight, I have like next to no ammo, barely any med packs. I wonder if it is balanced that way to make it feel like you need to exhaust your resources to beat one of those things. Yeah. It's almost like a um like don't get cocky kid moment, you know, mm-hmm. like you you're like, Oh, I'm in this good place and then the game's like, Yeah, but remember, you know, this is a apocalyptic world and there are things out there that will mess you up so yeah. you know keep your head on but mm-hmm. even without the bloaters i mean i mean you spoke about the clickers like if the clickers come at you you can qte to use a shiv but that that clicker isn't dead you, yeah. you've got to kill that clicker still you have so to now, kill it quickly not yeah. only have you <laughs> yeah not only have you lost the shiv but you now have to kill it and you can't reshiv an already shivved clicker. Mm-hmm. So if it comes at you and gets you, it's a one shot kill. And that's, uh, that's where the frustration comes from. Yeah. I-, I saw that clicker death screen way too many times. Yeah. It's way too many times. And there's some kind of fiddliness to whether or not you, you know, hit that shiv button in time, et cetera, et cetera. Or you'll, again, mm-hmm. you'll hit that shiv button in time. You'll, you know, oh fuck! I have a pistol out. It doesn't have much ammo. Let me switch to the shotgun. Oh, too late! It it killed me. Dude, oh, my my downfall was uh, shiving clickers and then watching Joel whiff with the lead pipe. Uh huh. And I was just like, again, oh, the melee, melee combat. If they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, one last thing about the combat that I think was really cool. Um, similar to uh, God of War uh, 2018, if you've played that. Ellie is invincible in combat. Mostly, sometimes uh, enemies will grab onto her and you have to go rescue her, etc. But you don't have to really worry about her too much. And uh, throughout the game, she uh, becomes useful in combat. 
Um, this was something mm-hmm. I liked in God of War, uh, how Atreus becomes useful in combat. Ellie does too. And I forgot to mention this back in the story section, but one of the best parts of the story is the growing relationship and trust between Ellie and Joel. And that extends into the yeah. combat. And as Joel trusts her to do more and more in dangerous situations, she becomes more useful in combat. And yeah. those two things tying together in this way is always really good uh, in, in this game too. Yeah, and I mean, we will probably talk about it post-spoiler wall, but mm-hmm. there is a specific pivotal moment that makes Joel see Ellie in a new way. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like this light bulb in his head where he's like, right, yeah, I'm I'm not just transport like this is a human. I'm not yeah. just transporting something across the like this person can help me. And he starts to like you said, he starts to trust Ellie a little bit more in terms of you know giving her weapons and and letting her be involved in the combat. And it's a two way street, you know. Ellie is um, she's oh how can I say this without spoiling? Uh, <laughs> she has a lot of. She has a lot of issues that you would expect for a teenager who grew up in a post-apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. There are lots of trust issues and abandonment issues and things like that. And those are hurdles that she has to get over. And Joel has his own hurdles that he has to get over. And, you know, seeing that kind of grow and accumulate, like you said, into him trusting Ellie and her becoming not just like, kind of helpful in combat but at points really fucking helpful yeah Mm -hmm. and i mean again i haven't played part two but she is a killing machine in part two and you kind of see the uh growth in that area uh throughout the last yes definitely kind of gets us into the remake you know bringing up part two i almost called it part one uh, because this game is being remade and like i said if you're listening to this on the day of release it comes out in like two days we are kind of speculating and just ben i know this game means a lot to you do you think that it needs or should be remade needs to be remade (sighs) see i I'm really, truly on the fence because this is a strange, strange one. Like for the for the most part, I'm not a big fan of remakes. I I did buy the game on PS4, like I said, but mm-hmm. the reason I bought it on the PS4 was because I knew that the multiplayer was launching back up, and because it was bundled with the DLC, and I really wanted to see the DLC because, um, I mean, we can maybe talk about it a little bit, but like the DLC is a prequel to Ellie meeting Joel is Ellie's story and it's it lands somewhat well there are some points that it doesn't but it it paints the picture of who Ellie was beforehand and why she was the way she was when Joel met her right and so 
to me, that kind of a remaster is is good. You know, I missed that DLC first time round. I personally, even I don't have a PS5, even if I had a PS5, I don't know that I would necessarily buy the remake. I don't think it's for me. That's not to say it doesn't look beautiful. It looks absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. But there is another side to that coin where you look and you go, okay, but there are, you know, teenagers, whoever, who have PS5s, who are going to be like, oh my God, this game looks beautiful. Like it's rendered well. And people talk about The Last of Us as a classic and might end up getting the remake as their first introduction to The Last of Us for their PS5. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's also the sort of obvious tie into the HBO series that's coming out, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that that will also uh, attract in a lot of people. And you know, we we saw it with uh, The Witcher. The Witcher sales went up like I think it was like three hundred percent or something when the Witcher series launched on Netflix, people mm-hmm. just started buying the Witcher free because they were like, oh, this is brilliant. I want to experience the game. Right. And so I, I would imagine that this is kind of Sony being like, okay, well, we saw that CD Projekt Red had this massive spike in sales. So let's kind of capitalize on that. Let's remake it, put it on the newest system and kind of just milk the cash cow for want of a better term Mm -hmm. yeah i mean there's a very cynical read to them remaking the last of us and i kind of halfway buy into it where it's like sony let's pretend they have a big whiteboard of the things that will make us the most money remaking the last of us is probably pretty fucking high up on that list so Mm -hmm. when they announced it i was kind of like well, of course they're remaking it because, you know, they, they want a home run and The Last of Us remake is probably a home run financially. Yeah. I'm kind of on the fence about this game being remade. So this is not quite like Shadow of the Colossus where I don't feel like that game needed to be remade, but I was kind of glad that it did because more people can play it. Mm-hmm people can play The Last of Us right now. You can play it on your... If you have a PS5 and you have PS Plus, The Last of Us is free. You can play it for free. So this is not an accessibility thing. No. the I think The Last of Us shows its age in the way it feels to play sometimes. And I've, we've, I've kind of complained about some gameplay stuff uh, up until this point. So a remake would probably make it feel better to play, I think. And I... Mm-hmm kind of trust them to keep the kind of desperation and the the weight of the game while still making it smoother while making some of those things like melee combat a little bit more satisfying but this is not like uh, a remake that i love is final fantasy 7 where i think the old game is pretty rough to play these days the original my opinion Uh, And I I thought that game was a prime candidate for a remake to just modernize it in so many ways. Uh, Now, that's a whole other conversation with what they're doing with that game. But for The Last (laughs) of Us, I think it's right in the middle where it's like, I don't think the remake is 100% necessary. This not an accessibility thing like Demon's Souls, where unless you have a PS3, you can't play Demon's Souls. So the remake is bringing it to a bunch of new people. The Last of Us isn't like that. 
So it's it's this weird thing where it's really hard for me to even form an opinion because I don't know, I just don't really care that much about it being remade. It's kind of like you said that that young person who's getting into video games, they look on the PlayStation store, they're advertising this game, it looks beautiful and they play it and they experience this story. Who am I to really care about that? You know, more people experiencing mm-hmm. this story. Along with me just being a little bit cynical about Sony, just, you know, let's remake The Last of Us because we are going to make a fuckload of money by remaking The Last of Us. Yeah, um, it, it's double it's double sided because, I mean, I, I completely forgot that this was on the PS collection for the yeah. PS5 and like... 99% of people who have a PS5 are going to have PlayStation Plus. That's right. just just kind of how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you said to me, hey, here's The Last of Us made in Unreal Engine 5 with the same story and the same desperation, but the updated fighting mechanics and updated AI from The Last of Us Part 2, right? then that sounds a lot more tempting. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the things that gave me frustration, and you too, from our conversation here, are things that should be improved by a remake, while also, you know, yes. it's going to look fucking great, the voice acting is going to be great. Um, I've, you know, I've seen the side-by-sides that they showed. People love to cherry-pick the ones that don't look that different, but some of them look way better. Like, some of those yeah. side-by-sides look incredible. And like, I think the original yeah. game looks really good still, still looks great, mm-hmm. but you know, that, that shit's going to be running in 4k 60 frames per second. It's going to be crisp. It's going to look great. You can ray tracing everything. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I wanted to like in my heart, I wanted to be mad about this, but I, I'm not really like this isn't, I don't think it's sacrilegious to remake this. Um, it's just kind of mm. strange because it's not, the gameplay is not super outdated. It's not off limits like Demon Souls was. It's a cash grab that's probably going to be pretty fun to play. That's kind of where I'm landing on yeah. it. Yeah. Well, what would be interesting is I have seen rumors that they either were or still considering doing a bundle that is the last of us part one remake with the last of us part two Mm -hmm. that's a lot lot more tempting for for i mean i own i own a copy of the last of us part two and somewhere i have a copy of part one i'm not entirely sure where but i have one somewhere but you know that's that's when you start to be like oh okay right this is this is getting a lot more tempting now but yeah it's like a semi-warranted remake, like you said, there are there are arguments for both sides, and you can kind of see why they're remaking it. But at the same point, like you said, it's not an accessibility issue. Yeah. So there there are arguments to both sides of it. Yeah, we we talked about this in my episode about Shadow of the Colossus because um, Blue Point doesn't really change much about how the game feels to play. They just kind of modernize the controls a bit make it look great, of course. So a lot of people point to Demon Souls and Shadow of the Colossus as remakes that like didn't need to be remakes because it's not changing mm-hmm. how it feels to play. I think the Last of Us remake is going to make it feel a lot better to play though. So it's a, a strange position to be in. But, you know, 
I'm probably not going to buy it right away if I buy it at all. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's not really affecting me a whole lot. You know, I'm not chomping at the bit yeah. for the next Naughty Dog game anyway. So the fact that they're making this and not making Uncharted 5 is not a huge deal for me. So, you know, tough to be mad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you come into it, want to be mad, but it's hard to be mad. <laughs> That's kind of why I have a lot of issues with remakes is because... A lot of these fins that are sold as remakes are just polishes, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's like, is it actually a remake? I mean, you can't argue that Final Fantasy VII Remake is not a remake because that is an entirely different fucking game. Right. And so, yeah, it's it's one of those fins where I don't, I don't care enough to be mad. Do you know what I mean? I know I'm not <laughs> going to buy it. Um, yeah. I know I'm no I'm not going to buy it if somebody out there wants to buy it and if it does have those updated mechanics from the last of us part 2 then that would be absolutely amazing like I just to it's not a spoiler for last of us part 2 but last of us part 2 has this mechanic where when a human soldier finds a dead buddy they'll like call out by their name right. so like you you'll kill someone and they'll find a the body they'll be like Oh my god, no, they killed Dave. And yeah. you're like, oh no, don't name them. Like mm-hmm. don't don't give them a name. Like just let them be a nameless NPC. Or uh-huh. you'll hear you'll hear soldiers while you're in stealth talking about like, oh, I can't wait to go home. I haven't seen my kid in six months. And you're like then combat breaks out and you're like, God, he's never gonna see his kid again. Like what yeah. Rough. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. To 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 have something like that in The Last of Us Part One would be very cool. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that I think they can upgrade, upgrade and improve. Um, and I, from what I can tell, they're not really touching the story, which, you know, I don't think they should. So, yeah, please don't. <laughs> so before we get into spoiler time, when I have a chance to give some kind of final thoughts about The Last of Us, we've talked about, you know, remaking it, issues with the gameplay. We've talked about the story a little bit. What do you want people to know about The Last of Us? Like, who would you recommend this game to? it feels cliche to say everyone but honestly everyone (laughs) (laughs) i feel like even with the rough edges that the game has i feel that the quality of the game itself regarding the voice acting and things like that and the cinematics Mm -hmm. and the story it tells and where that story goes is something that everyone should experience and you know that's kind of backed up by you know, we, we normally say there have been games that we play on Play Along Pod and we're like, oh, well, you know, it's on Game Pass. If you have Game Pass, you have no reason not to play it. It's the same argument here. If you have a PS5 and you have PlayStation Plus, it's free. There's no excuse not to play it. Even if you dip your toes in and you're like, this is not for me, I think that everyone should try and experience it at least mm-hmm. once. It's also been given away for free on ps plus so even if you don't have a ps5 if you're the type to just like add all those games into your library and then forget it oh you might just have been given away for free on there i I do 100 percent. i do recommend it i'm not gonna lie as well i feel like this would be a good like backseat gamer game yeah it's a good game to to watch it's very cinematic and you know if you're like i kind of want to play but uh, if you know someone who wants to play and is willing to play with you sitting next to them, experience it that way, you know. Do I... I 
at time of recording, I cannot comment on if I would recommend the remake over the original. I just, I, I don't know enough about it at the time of recording to say, should you buy one or the other? Right. Um, I will say that if they have updated the combat and the melee and AI to The Last of Us Part 2 and left the story and everything else as The Last of Us Part 1, I would say, yeah, fine, full price, £70, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if it is just a reskin and it just looks nice but it has the same gameplay problems that we've discussed in this episode... I wouldn't say pay more than like thirty-five, forty pounds. So, like what fifty, fifty-five dollars? I wouldn't say go above that. I feel like that's like, yeah. What's full? What's full price in the US? Like seventy dollars? Seventy, yeah. Yeah, so I'd say like forty-five, fifty. I wouldn't go above forty-five, fifty dollars. I'd say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you if you haven't experienced it, I, it's very hard to sell this game without spoiling it as to why you should play it but there are so many things that happen in this game that you just need to experience that's all like that's all i can say yeah this game has a huge reputation like it's it's consistently named as one of the best games ever made and for a while there i was pretty skeptical about that i think that this game while i don't i don't think this is one of the best games ever made i think it hit at a time where people were like, what the fuck is this? This is incredible. And then since then, I think I've played a lot of games that I enjoyed more than this. I do think this game like mm-hmm. earns its reputation as a, a, first of all, a very good game and a foundational game for if you enjoy these cinematic third person, especially the dad games, you know, the God of War and stuff like that. This is, um, <laughs> this is the reason for it, uh, as far as I can tell. Yeah. And I know I complained about the gameplay a little bit. I didn't have like, you know, soul crushing problems with the gameplay. It's just, you know, these are things that I think are not as good as other parts in the game uh, that are excellent. But as a cinematic game experience, do what I did, put it on easy mode if you're worried about it and just enjoy the story because I do think the story is really good and the presentation of the story, the way the game looks, the way the voice acting is we didn't talk about the music a whole lot, but the music is very good. Um, very kind of low key rustic, like acoustic guitar type stuff. It's real good. Um, it's just, it's a nice game. And, you know, I'm always going to go to bat for a game that is 15 hours long, like this one. If it's pretty good, play it. It's, you know, this is not a 45 hour game. It's a, you know, it took me 15 hours. So yeah. Mm. I do recommend this. Um, you know, most people who are listening to the show have either played the last of us or they have heard a lot about it at the very least, but if you have not played it, give it a try. Like Ben said, it's free. If you have a PS five, if you don't have a PS five, um, it's like, it's been given away for free before and the remaster you can buy on sale for like 10 bucks. You can go get it physical for like really cheap now. So yeah. Yeah, it's dirt cheap. Yeah. The remake can't comment on that, but as far as the the PS4 version, you can get it um real cheap. So yeah, give it a try. Good game. Let's get into some uh housekeeping and stuff before spoiler time. So first of all, 
besides looking in the show notes uh, for some handy links, is there anywhere else that people can find Play Along Podcast? I mean, the best places are pretty much any podcatcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll find us on there. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, I believe we do post occasionally when I remember to export the, uh-huh. <laughs> the social videos. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're all, they're all play along pod. Um, all of our social media stuff has our link tree in it that takes you to our, uh, Discord server, which is really great. It's mm-hmm. a fun little time in there. It is. Um, and then, other social media places you know like we we're trying to do different things with the uh with the discord and that like me and jared are talking about potentially like streaming uh like a summer games fest fin or something that happens like a game awards fin kind of having like a discord handout mm-hmm. um so we're, we're we're testing the waters with fins but yeah pretty much any social media place at at play along pod and then a right link tree yeah, we'll put that link tree down in the show notes so people can access it easily. Also, you know, while we're talking here, you can just hop on that search bar on your podcast app, type in Play Along Podcast, and you'll find it. Uh, as far as Tales from the Backlog goes, best things to do to support the show, as always, are to hit subscribe if you haven't already. If you've enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave a rating and or review. I would appreciate that a lot. And you will find a link to the Tales from the Backlog Discord server down in the show notes. You can come in and hang out and talk about games. We have a great group of people in there. Highly recommended. I also have a podcast called A Top 3 Podcast, where each week we do a top three list. Each episode we do a top three list. And sometimes those are about video games, not all the time though. So if you would like to hear me talk about something else, that's the place. Ben and I are going to take a break, and when we come back, it's spoiler time for The Last of Us. Ben and I are back and we're talking spoilers for The Last of Us and I was being real coy about the opening of this game mm. um, and I talked to you a couple months ago about should we say what happens at the beginning and we both decided let people experience that for the first time uh, because if oh. you don't know what happens the opening hits like a fucking truck man dude I, fu- I swear I fucking cried the first time it's rough even the second time I played when I knew exactly what was going to happen, it was still rough. It's maybe even worse because mm-hmm. you're not shocked by what's happening and you're paying attention to, you know, the way the animations are and the voice and stuff like that. When Sarah dies, it is brutal. Yeah. To, to, like, to, to sum up what happens, uh, the game opens you playing as Joel's daughter, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, it is his birthday. She's given him a very expensive watch and you, Joel then puts her to bed 
and then you wake up as Sarah. You are looking around. There's like news reports about explosions and riots, and you see explosions in the distance. Yeah, I love that. You see the explosion on the screen and out the window at the same time. So it shows you like, oh, this is really close. Like, this is bad. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you go downstairs and this, this whole section you're playing as Sarah. Um, you, you know, your neighbor breaks through the window, I think, breaks through the door and like tries yeah. to bite Joel. Joel ends up shooting him and Joel is like, extremely panicked he's like right we need to go we need to go and essentially you are trying to flee the town and i love this like fleeing the town sequence where you're driving around just seeing the chaos everywhere it uh really reminded me of one of my favorite books which is the stand and uh the first i don't know 20 pages of the stand is just like short little snippets from around the country as the plague is getting worse and worse. And it's like mm -hmm. one of the best openings to a book I've ever read. And this kind of has that same thing where you're driving around and it's just little like chaos here, turn the corner, chaos here, like that. Well, so the, the thing I think that's done so brilliantly about it is that you, you're playing as Sarah, so you don't have to worry about driving or anything like that. Joel is driving. You can just move the camera around mm -hmm. uh, and from the back seat as well and just kind of witness what's happening. And like you said, there's so many times where I think there's two or three times that uh, Joel goes down a road and he's like, oh, we can't go down there. There's just like somebody eating somebody else on the floor or we can't go down there. Mm -hmm. A car's exploded because it's hit a bus or something like that. And just just kind of being like a, a witness to this chaos that has just taken over this town. Mm -hmm. it, it's just crazy. And then the fucking car gets hit and you're in a, you, you get T-boned by another car. Yeah. Then um, as you're trying to escape, uh, Joel has to say goodbye to his brother and you kind of just assume like, well, he's dead. Never going to see him again. Yes. That's, that's one of those tropes we were talking about. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of them. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of make the rounds through some of those. And then, yeah, it's that like um, you come across uh, in, you know, an army, uh, an army man, a soldier, Dave, the word is soldier. You come across <laughs> a soldier and um, Joel is kind of like, please help. You know, I think Sarah broke her leg in the car crash or something like that. Right. Yeah. So you're carrying like, her. Remember? Yeah. He's carrying her. He's like, please help, please help. And then, you know, uh, the soldier shoots at you and uh, Sarah dies. And that, you know, that scene where Sarah's dying um, in Joel's arms is uh, it's rough. It's a, you know, really well-produced cutscene. This is kind of like the first one of those, like this game has a ton of cutscenes, and they're all really well done. This, I mean, this one is incredible. And like I said, I, mm. I knew this was going to happen the second time I played and it, the cutscene is so good and the voice acting and everything is so good. It still hits really hard. Yeah. And I mean, we, we, we spoke about the voice acting and Troy Baker does a, an amazing job of, um, portraying the, the just absolute grief that Joel experiences in that moment. Mm -hmm. But I've, I've got to give props to the soldier as well, because the, the show, the shoulder, the soldier. See, we're both before, having trouble. <laughs> <laughs> before he shoots you, he he's on the radio. Um, he's like pointing his gun at you and he's like, don't move. And he's on the radio 
And he's like, sir, I've got civilians. And then you hear him say, sir, but there's a girl there. Yeah. And that's when you're like, oh, shit, what? And whoever voiced this this soldier does a brilliant job because you can hear his voice, like, quaking. And you can hear he does not want to do this. But yeah. he is being ordered by whoever is in charge to do what he is about to do. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can even hear that remorse in his voice before he's even done it just really adds to the entire scene as a whole. Yeah. And then you get a little time skip after that. You are kind of brought Mm -hmm. into the present day where Joel's working with a woman named Tess and just, we're going to yada, yada, yada through some of the plot just so we're not here for another three hours. But, um, (laughs) Tess is working with uh, this resistance group called the Fireflies. Uh, she gets they get this task to take Ellie to safety. Basically, they take her to a Firefly camp. Right, they're trying to get out to. Yes, I forget where is it. Is it in Salt Lake City? That it's that uh, area. Of the Salt country. Lake's where they end up at the end, but okay. it's essentially it's essentially uh, the other side of America. <laughs> right. Yes, they're they're on the East Coast. They're trying to basically cross the country. Uh, and Joel and Tess are smugglers, so they get, you know, the the hardest thing to smuggle, a human being like that. So mm-hmm. um, one of the first kind of curveballs the game throws is uh, when uh, Tess gets bit. And I forget, did Tess and Ellie get bit at the same time? No, so Ellie is bit in the DLC. She's bit before she even meets Joel. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, so they basically they get chased they go to the first camp where they're supposed to to drop ellie off because they're out the quarantine zone now and uh they get ambushed by a bunch of infected Mm -hmm. and uh they 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 go they go into this like place and they're hiding in the place and then joel and tess didn't know that ellie was bitten and ellie shows them and she's like, you know, look, I got bit three weeks ago. I'm not infected. And Tess right. is like, bullshit. Everyone turns after two days. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I'm not. Like, that's why you're taking me to the Fireflies, because they're going to try and create this vaccine and this cure for this disease. Right. And we we were coy about that, too, in the non-spoiler part. I actually was going to say that, mm-hmm. and then I held off. Uh, the, the reason you're taking <laughs> Ellie is because she's immune. And as far as we know, she's the only one. And mm-hmm. there's that great scene where they get caught by um, some uh, soldiers. Oh, the word again, they get caught by some soldiers and they have like this <laughs> scanner to uh, to scan whether someone's infected or not. And they, That's it, yep. they scan uh, Ellie and it comes up positive, but Ellie kills the soldier before. Um, That's how they find out. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a really good scene. Yeah, that's that's. That's an amazing way to find out because now Joel and Tess are weighing up like, well, hang on, what the fuck? Like, are we going to transport this girl? Like, for all we know, she's going to turn. And Ellie's like, well, no, I'm immune. And they're like, okay, all right, what are right. we doing with this child? <laughs> and then, yeah, so Tess, you, you you get locked in that building. They already know about Ellie at that point. That's right. And then... Tess is saying, like, you know, I'll stay behind and I'll 
basically keep these infected busy while you and Ellie escape because she's humanity's last hope. You need to get her to the Fireflies. Mm-hmm. And Joel protests, and then Ellie is like, puts two and two together and is like, wait, she's been bitten. Yeah. And Joel's like, no, she hasn't. And Tess like pulls down her shirt collar and reveals that she has been bitten on her neck. Yeah. Um, it's and- um. It's soldiers I, coming in there because it's like a suicide by. Oh, is know, it soldiers? By soldier. Because that's in the oh, municipal yes, hall. Yes. Uh, and that, I remember yes, that yes, distinctly yeah. because that's where I quit playing the first time um, I was playing because I was trying to stealth with. At this point in the game, you have like a pistol and your melee weapon. That's. You might have a shotgun at that point, but I don't know. Anyway, getting mm. caught by these soldiers in stealth means you die, basically. And I just died <laughs> yeah. over and over and over. And I this was the point where I was like, fuck this game. This game sucks. Uh, so I stopped playing the first time. So yeah, that was it. But It's understandable um, though. This is the, I, I think it's another zombie media trope. You know, someone in the group gets bitten. They make the choice to sacrifice themselves before they turn or the group has to make a decision. Uh, what do we do mm. with them? Et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know. Tess is fairly likable. So when this happened, I was like, oh shit, that's a, uh, well, yeah. you know, it's just Joel and Ellie on the box art. Tess isn't there. So <laughs> <laughs> not such a surprise, I guess. It's it's also like, if you, if you want to delve deeper into it, like at that moment in time, as far as Joel's concerned, he's been screwed over by Marlene, who's the leader of the Fireflies. Right been screwed over been screwed over by her because he's transporting an infected girl not out of the country it's now on the other side of america Mm -hmm. he's lost his daughter he has as far as he's aware lost his brother and now he's losing tess and not just losing tess but losing tess in pretty much the exact same situation that he lost his brother right yeah kind of his his brother stayed behind while he ran away. Yeah, exactly. And so that's got to be ripping up some uh, some some deep rooted baggage there. Yeah. And at the beginning of the game, Joel is very much like we have a single job to do, and I will do that exact job and nothing more. Yeah, he's like, this is what you're paying me for, and that is it. And then we're past that point already where he's like hey we said we're gonna bring her to this place we like the people weren't there we're supposed to drop her off to but that's not my problem uh he's very much like yeah you know what fuck this girl like i'm going back uh or you know i'm not taking her any further than we have to but obviously that changes as we go on so gonna yada 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 a little bit more uh till we get to henry and sam which was the next kind of like big zombie trope but it's you go through a long stretch of the game where Joel and Ellie are alone fighting mm-hmm. against um you know uh, this is the part of the game you're you're fighting against um people who are trying to kidnap uh civilians or kill civilians in the streets uh, they're like these raiders um you there's a tank fight because naughty dog fucking loves tank fights <laughs> and then you meet Henry and Sam who are like the first friendly faces you've seen you have a nice little group for a little bit. Uh, Ellie has a, uh, you know, yeah. a friend for the first time in the events of this game. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's kind of, 
that's kind of where it hits you because not only have Joel and Ellie been alone alone for so long, but you know Ellie is a child of the post-apocalyptic world, uh-huh. um, and so she now has another teenager with her. And then Henry and Joel kind of resonate because they both have these teenage children that they're trying to survive in this world with. And so there's a lot of similarities between the two of them. And if I remember rightly, I think Henry and Sam actually save Joel and Ellie. Yeah. Like, I think um, they're like, I think. Cause they don't, they don't fully trust each other and they, they definitely do um, save them in a, uh, you know, a, a gnarly situation. I didn't take I didn't write down super detailed notes there but yeah. No, I remember like they are there's basically like a life or death situation and you're like, "Oh shit, Joel and Ellie are about to be taken by these raiders." And then Henry and Sam save them. Right. There's um, also a situation where the groups get mixed uh where it's um like I want to say Henry and Ellie oh, yes. have to go off and then Joel and Sam uh, go off they split yeah you know, mix th- up like that you know some of them got caught on one side of a gate or something like that so you do have this nice little uh group and you know this teamwork people start to become friendly with each other um and i what i like about this the most before we get to the end of it is um this is just a reminder that ellie is a kid she doesn't act like a kid throughout most of the game because she can't but very Mm -hmm. small moments during this part where she acts like a kid sam also acts like a kid and you're like that's right uh she's not 25 years old she's 14 and um yeah Yeah. it it was it's just a really nice uh little character moment there and then of course it all goes to shit yeah and that's kind of something that we didn't touch on but like Ellie is um she's she's not a 14 year old. She curses <laughs> and swears and mm-hmm. she is very independent in terms of standing up for herself. She doesn't take shit from people. Right. Um and that's kind of what causes a lot of the 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 issues between Joel and Ellie because Joel is like almost essentially like you are my cargo. I am taking you somewhere. Yeah. And Ellie's like, well, fuck you. I'm a, I'm a person. You can't just treat me like a fucking cargo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is, yeah, like you said, it's one of the first times where you kind of remember like, oh yeah, Ellie is a, she's a teenager. Yeah. She's, she's not this gruff, you know, adult like Joel is. She's, she has to act that yeah. way and she has to do adult things uh, to survive. But at her core and Sam too, you know, there's that scene where Sam wants a toy and his dad's like, dude, you cannot take a toy with you. Like, you just can't. I'm sorry, but you can't. Yeah. And Ellie steals it. Ellie just steals everything throughout the game, which is is funny. Yeah, pretty much. A little bit of her character, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then um, Sam just decides to start Blair Witch in, in the room of the apartment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's... That was one that I predicted because... Uh, he starts asking questions like uh, he and Ellie have a conversation. Ellie tells him about her friend, uh, the one from the DLC who got bit and turned. Mm-hmm. And Sam has this, you know, he, he says something like when someone turns, I like to think that they're still human inside and stuff like that. 
And I was like, oh, you got bit, didn't you, my man? And then, he, <laughs> you know, 30 seconds later, he's, you know, shaking and attacking Ellie. So, yeah, just. Yeah. And then uh, that scene where Joel has a gun pointed at Sam, Henry has a gun pointed at Joel because, um, you know, it, it's one of, you know, these are very common scenes in this type of movie, right? Where it's like, you can't kill him. He's my son, brother, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But you know, someone has to. Exactly. Yeah. Like Joel, uh, so Sam does, he, there, Sam and Ellie are in a different room and then they, they fall into the room where Henry and Sam are. Mm -hmm. And Joel's like, fuck, he's turned. And he goes to reach for his gun in the bag and Henry shoots at the floor near him. Yeah. And then they end up in this kind of standoff, like he said. And then Henry is the one who ends up shooting Sam. Right. And then he kills himself right afterwards because he can't cope with what he's just done. Yeah. Even though to us viewers, that's the obvious choice. You have to kill him Mm -hmm. lest you endanger the entire group. But I, I I really like even if it is you know standard for the genre. I really do like this kind of scene because it's just just super hard moral decisions and um, yeah, I, I I really like this part. Yeah, and I mean it's it's one of those fins that um, we'll get into a little bit later on in the spoilerable, but it's one of those um, philosophical conundrums i was talking about you know like it's very easy as a viewer to sit there and go yeah well you know the greater good you know it's it's sure. like the um what's it the trolley problem where you, you're like are you, are you familiar with that yeah yep yeah so it's, it's like you know you've you've got the choice of killing one person or killing five and you're like well morally speaking you're supposed to kill the one because there's one life versus five right and so it's that same sort of situation where it's like, if you don't stop Sam, Sam could potentially kill all of you and then go on to kill other people. Right. But it, it's very easy as a viewer to be like, yeah, you kill Sam. But like, I, I could not imagine being in that situation. Like I couldn't imagine if, if like my Ellie, my partner, we've been together for like nearly 14 years. So, I can't imagine being in a situation where she's turned and I'm like, well, what do I do? I don't, I genuinely don't think I would be able to do what Henry did. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about what I would probably just stand there frozen, uh, until it's too late. Basically. Um, it's, and it's crazy too, because Sam is a kid, which just adds just a little Mm -hmm. bit more onto it, uh, than, you know, an adult. I think. Yeah. Uh, And it's just, it's a very good scene. And this is a little bit of foreshadowing for what's happening later as far as that, you know, that choice for the greater good, sacrifice for the greater good. Mm -hmm. So good scene here. Go ahead. No, sorry. I was going to ask very quickly. What did you think about the fact that Henry killed himself? Because Joel tries to stop him, but before Joel can get there, Henry, Henry shoots himself. Uh, Yeah. I just, I think it's pretty understandable. Um, you know, number one, can't cope with what he's just done. But number two, you know, what else is he really living for? Mm. They were the last family members, weren't they? I don't, 
I don't know. I th- I'm pretty sure the rest of their family died or yeah. or left or something. It was just them two. Yeah, it was definitely just them um, in the group. I don't know about the rest of their family, but I don't know if he had time to process that whole, this whole like sequence of thoughts. But number one, like I can't live with what I've just done, but also what else do I have to live for? The main thing I assume he was living for was to keep his, you know, keep Sam alive now that's gone. Mm-hmm. What he he's just gonna third wheel it with Joel and Ellie for no apparent reason other than to just continue living in the in you know hell basically. It makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> this is easy for me to say, but I've always said that if there's a zombie apocalypse or something like that, I'm killing myself immediately if I don't have you know people that need my help. There is no way that I'm gonna you know, subject myself to that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine being alone in that world. And especially like, he's probably seen some fucking stuff in his time, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure. But yeah, I I was just curious if, yeah, I was just curious if you would have rather had him like tag along and like quietly in the background, be like trying to come to terms with what he's done or, I, I think it was more impactful to to have it end the way that it did. Yeah, because it ends suddenly, you know. One, it's literally three or four seconds after. Yeah, one minute you have this almost like a little family group, these four people, you know, they're sharing canned beans around a campfire. Literally two minutes later, both of them are dead. Joel and Ellie are, are by themselves again. Yeah. And yeah, just a, just a very harsh setting. It, it makes sense to me. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to skip over uh, some of the things in the notes here. There's a nice, um, another kind of foreshadowing thing, kind of setting something up for later. Uh, Nice scene where Ellie is trying to connect with Joel uh, more and more because they grow closer together. Ellie kind of apologizes, not apologizes, but says, I'm, you know, I'm sorry about what happened to uh, Sarah. And Joel is like, not having it. And this is one of those like great voice acting, great animations. Like you can see the pain in his face, but you can also hear it uh, in his voice when he says, uh, I think he says, you know, Southern accent, you're treading on mighty fine ice here, Ellie, something like that. That scene's really good. And you get a nice payback on that later. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like this whole thing where if I remember rightly, Ellie Ellie finds out about Sarah through like a picture that Joel has or something. Yep. And, and she's like, Oh, who's that? And he's like, you know, that's my daughter. And she's like, Oh, like, where is she? And then Joel was immediately just like, no, like conversation done. Mm -hmm. And then a little bit later on, Ellie's trying to poke, like you said, and like, you know, she is, it's, it's very obvious that she is almost this like pseudo daughter. And he is a, a father figure to her, but it's, it's hard. It's hard, you know, because I mean, the, the manner that he lost his daughter, it, it doesn't matter that it's been 20 years. I don't think that that, that wound is ever really gonna heal, you know? No. And the fact that he's in this position again, trying to take care of a similarly aged, you know, kid in the you know the zombie apocalypse world 
This is part of what makes this setup for the story so good, is that Joel has tried this before and his daughter died. Now he's trying again, kind of against his will. And how closed off he is to Ellie at the beginning and how he opens up, but then there are still moments along the way like this where he's like, nope, Ellie, no. Do not bring her up like that. It's all really good. Yeah, exactly. And it's like... It's like, you know, we sort of, we didn't talk about it in the beginning, but like Joel is he's essentially a recluse. You know, he, the beginning of the game opens with Joel asleep on the sofa on his own with like beer bottles around him everywhere. And like, mm-hmm. he's never really, he's never really truly brought anyone into his life since he lost Sarah and Tommy. Mm-hmm. Like he, yep. he has Tess as like a, as a, but she's almost more like a work friend more than anything. Like she's not really a, a friend per se. Yeah, there was some implied, you know, romantic history between them, but it was never you never got the feeling that they were like, you know, a couple or something. Not super close. Yeah, there was always this weird chemistry between them where it was like you could it it was very heavily implied that Joel wanted to be with Tess, but was not ready to like open yeah. himself up to the idea of having someone else in his life. Yeah. So he kind of, you know, totally shuts other people out uh, from getting that close to him. And then when Ellie tries to make a very, you know, deep connection like that, he's still just like, nope, absolutely not. Uh, but that is going to be... um Tested here soon, Joel gets imp- impaled on rebar, uh, which is happens a lot in movies, especially stuff like this. People are always fucking getting impaled on rebar, and uh, <laughs> Ellie has to take care of him. While she's taking care of him, uh, we meet David, very unfortunate name for me, um, who is, uh, there's your Nolan North, um, which I had no idea. I just saw it in the credits, and I was like, no fucking way like that okay that creepy piece of shit yeah yeah so you kind of get hints but david's really helpful at the beginning and they they do that you know they do a really good story thing where you don't know if you can trust him but then zombies attack immediately so you have to trust him for a while and Mm -hmm. ellie feels that way too um you have this kind of thing where you go back and forth between ellie and joel uh, as joel is trying to follow in ellie's footsteps um, I'm going to kind of yada, yada, yada this, but David is up to no good. And you have, um, kind of a stealth sequence, uh, in this burning restaurant, which I did not like very artificial, like broken plates on the floor that you can't step on. Mm-hmm. Otherwise he'll catch you. I was not a fan of this sequence, uh, but I did. I don't know. I think David is a pretty realistic type of character in the zombie apocalypse world uh apocalyptic fiction in general there's gonna be a lot of people out there doing Mm -hmm. horrible things to uh women basically and Mm -hmm. i know that it's it's implied that that's what he's trying to do um trying to do or did probably just trying to do right trying to rape her and then possibly eat her too yeah, I, I would say specifically in the situation with Ellie, um, it, it, it was attempted, attempted rape. Um, right. I do want to rewind just a tiny bit, if sure. that's okay. Yeah. 
just to the moment where we figure out who David is, because there's a very specific moment where, um, having escaped these zombies, David is telling Ellie a story about, uh, his men who was in a hospital and he's like, Oh, you know, a bunch of them didn't come back. And he was like, they were saying that there was a guy who killed everyone. And he's like, the guy was a, the guy was accompanied by a little girl. And that's when you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. They know this is, yeah, this is like the ramifications of, of our actions because, you know, we, as Joel and Ellie, we've essentially gone on a murder spree across most of America at this point. Right. (laughs) And this is the first, this is the first real consequence to what has happened. You know, Mm -hmm. like there have been sort of small things here and there, but now we're faced with the leader of this group who we essentially massacred a bunch of their people. Yeah. It's, and it's interesting too, because David's group is in addition to them just being, you know, your generic mercenary enemy types in a game like this, you do get them being humanized a little bit by them talking about how all their friends were killed by you, but also David's group are cannibals and David is a sexual Mm -hmm. predator. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not trying to humanize them as much as I would, as much as I was thinking, it's more just like, these are the worst people and you've angered them. Um, instead of how another game might humanize the people after you've killed a bunch of them suddenly humanize them and you're like hey they're not so bad but we just killed a hundred of them it's more like Mm. david's group are the worst people out here now they know what you look like they're coming after you they want you specifically yeah yeah and they they capture ellie and they lock her in a cage and that's when she works out about um them being cannibals essentially because she sees them chopping up human body and there's a fucking (laughs) absolutely brilliant line that ellie delivers to david Uh um david is like trying to work out who she is and he's like oh like he's getting angry because she won't tell him her name or whatever so he he's like all right fine all right fuck you and he walks off and then she's like oh ellie and he's like what oh that's it he says he's going to chop her into little pieces tomorrow and then he walks off and she's like, Ellie. And he turns around, he's like, what? And he's like, she goes, my name's Ellie. She's like, you can tell your men that Ellie is the name of the girl that broke your fucking finger because oh, right. like, she's like broken one of his fingers <laughs> on his hand. Right. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, it's just brilliant. But yeah, now we, um, yeah, we, we've escaped and uh, we're in that situation that he was talking about in the burning, burning pub. And, uh, and essentially having this like tense standoff uh where we're trying to sneak around this burning restaurant and not have David find us mm-hmm. and it the whole time you're you are sort of switching backwards and forwards as Joe I'm repeating what you say I'm sorry um but you it, it culminates with David catching Ellie and attempting to force himself on her yeah um and i won't go into it too much it's a very very depressing scene and i d- 
didn't like it and it was very uncomfortable. Yeah, it um, is uncomfortable. It, it it culminates with Ellie getting the better of David and um essentially killing him very brutally in a in a fit of rage, which is understandable. Yeah. She and stabs then, him a million times. That's like, it, yes. Yeah. 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 And understandably. Then, and then that's right when Joel runs in and he sees what she's doing and he yeah. kind of pulls her off and she's in like a, a very primal uh like state of rage, like you said. And mm, they yeah, uh, and she's sort of Oh sorry, I was just gonna say like she's she's like crying and she's like, you know, he tried to, he tried to. And this is when it sort of tips and changes because Joel embraces her. Yeah. And he calls her baby girl. He's like, it's okay, baby girl. Like, he's not going to hurt you anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're like, okay, right. Joel was fully accepted. Yeah. The relationship that he has with Ellie. Mm -hmm. It's a really nice, I mean, it's a, a really brutal scene followed by a very nice, uh, like, you know, moment of comfort from Joel uh, to Ellie. It's, it's very good. I, I don't love David as a character, number one, because bad name for Davids around the world. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, as a villain, he seems a little bit cartoonish in a way that a lot of the bad people in this game don't seem as, you know, he's a cannibal and he's a sexual predator. Like, it's it's all the bad things mm. in one person, uh, basically. He's, he's very OTT for a video game character and especially mm -hmm. like you said in this world where we we haven't come across any over the top villains you know we've come across villains and we've seen some bad people but yeah like he is the the creme de la creme of being a fucking absolute scum human being yeah and again just a very unfortunate name naughty dog uh do better next time. Yeah, um, could you not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just please. Uh, so after that, I want to skip ahead. Uh, you're going through a city section, dangerous. There's, you know, zombies, dangerous people. There's the famous scene with the giraffes, which I think is really just a really nice uh, scene. Number one, because giraffes are cool. Number two, giraffes are weird. And mm -hmm. uh, Ellie's never seen a giraffe so she has this yep. kind of just another moment for her to kind of escape from this like shell that she has to put up to survive in the world. Ellie and Joel get to see and experience something nice just for a few minutes. Um, watch these mm -hmm. giraffes come up. I think one of the giraffes like uh, licks one of them and then they walk away. Yeah. It's um, and it's a break for you too, as the player, cause you've, spend a bunch of time in a bunch of tense, um, you know, encounters basically ever since, uh, Joel and Ellie were reunited after the David section. We didn't talk about him meeting his brother, but they do meet up. He's alive, but that, that part's not super interesting in the grand scheme of things. No, so I'm trying to, no, trying to condense yeah. this spoiler part down a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's, his brother has essentially just created his own life now that mm -hmm. has been 20 years and he has a wife and he's created this own town and everything and he helps Joel out and gives him like supplies and gives him a route to go through to carry on the journey, but that's, that's essentially it. Yep. But anyway, giraffes, a very nice moment in a game that doesn't have a lot of nice moments. This scene is 
the moment for me where I was like, this is fucking art. Like, the whole time I was loving the game and I was loving my time with it. Mm-hmm. But this specific scene, I was just like, this, this is, that's, that's why it was so pinnacle for me because, uh, it just made me see games in an entirely different light and everything up to this point, I was like, oh, this is just a really good game. But then I don't know what it is about that scene in particular, but that was the moment that it kind of clicked in my head and everything was completely different. I I think it's just because again, it's, it's this tension release uh, from you know all the mm. horrible things that you're doing, but I think it's just because giraffes are weird. They're one of the weirdest animals out there. <laughs> They're huge. Well, you it's know? also the way. <laughs> yeah, it's also the way that they reveal it. Like you're you're on you're on a building, and you're on the roof of a building, like sort of mm-hmm. two or three stories up, and you're going to go into a fire exit to go to the next adjacent building, and you're in a town center, and a giraffe's head just pops up from over the the side of the building and, and Ellie's yeah. just like what is that and you're like what and you go back out and it's just a fucking giraffe in the middle of the <laughs> town like yeah. just roaming about yeah it's it's um it's surprising it's a little bit funny like again this this game is not funny and it's not there aren't a lot of like comforting heartwarming moments in it but this is definitely uh stands out even though it's a pretty short scene. It's like a, you know, one minute cut scene or something like that. Then the mm-hmm. giraffes are on their way and Joel and Ellie are on their way too. But ev- I mean, everyone who plays this, this is a scene that sticks out because everything is just so brutal all the time. And then you're surprised by just some fucking giraffes showing up. Yeah. And I, I think it's also the placement of the scene, like from, from my memory, it's, like I, I want to say less than an hour, close to, but less than an hour after the scene with David, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's kind of hot off the heels of that, and I think that's also part of the reason that it impacts the way that it does. So kind of moving on to the ending here, as so we get to the last level, um, Ellie has been kind of taken from Joel. So we haven't really talked about this, but they come to the realization, Joel learns at some point that the way they're going to make this vaccine uh, for the cordyceps virus is uh, from brain tissue. And that means that Ellie, they're going to kill Ellie uh, to harvest mm. the brain tissue and make the vaccine. And Joel finds out about this after Ellie has been taken for the procedure, if I'm remembering right. Joel, I think Joel was knocked out and you wake up in a room with Marlene and Marlene has told you that uh, she tells you everything about Ellie, about the surgery. And she's like, this is what Ellie wants. We're going ahead with it. Um, and Joel is like, no, like, what they like that's going to kill her. You can't do that. Mm hmm. And so you have to fight your way through this hospital, uh, which is 
Yeah. One of the only like, you know, super memorable combat encounters. We haven't talked about any combat encounters uh, throughout the spoiler section because not a lot of them are super memorable, but uh, this fight in the hospital is really difficult. And Mm -hmm. for a couple hours up until this point, I wasn't feeling really challenged by the combat anymore just because you have so many guns and so many weapons and so many types of grenades and stuff like that. And again, I was playing on easy, so whatever, but uh, I wasn't feeling challenged, but this was really difficult. I had to exhaust pretty much everything in the inventory. Like, I'm pretty sure I beat this with, you know, my least favorite gun and like one smoke bomb to kill the final enemy uh, to get through it. Yeah. Real tough. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the the combat sequences, like David and this are the two standouts. There's also, um, very briefly, there's a scene, I can't remember where it is, but Joel is, um, being, someone is attempting to drown Joel. You've, you've, you've got into combat with these soldiers. Right. And someone, he, he has Joel's head under the water and Ellie picks up Joel's dropped gun and shoots the guy and saves Joel's life. And that is the turning point for Joel being like, okay, I can trust, I can trust Ellie to have a gun. There's a scene later on where he gives her a rifle and is like, when I tell you to, you squeeze the trigger. Right. And that's when she starts to become useful in combat. But this scene in particular, like, holy, you, you feel, I know we keep talking about Joel's age, but you feel <laughs> like a 40 year old man running through four floors of a hospital to try and save your pseudo daughter from being killed. Mm-hmm. And you, you are one man. And this is now the firefly base and you have to kill every single firefly who is trying to stop you. And they are, all trying to stop you yeah so it's i mean as far as that goes it's just a very long combat sequence that will drain all your resources Mm -hmm. but other people that are trying to stop you you break into the operating room and the doctors are in there uh, about to operate Mm -hmm. and if i remember right one of them comes at you with a scalpel and you have to uh, kill them yeah you you yeah, I was going to say, no, you, you walk in and um, the the main surgeon is there and he's a, literally about to begin the procedure. And you walk in and he's like, whoa, hang on. And before he can kind of say much, you just shoot him in the head and kill him instantly. Right. So after that, though, you kind of regain control of Joel. And I tried in the, like, I... I was spoiled on this before I played uh, the second time. Oh, no. Well, I did it to myself. Like, I spoiled myself on it because I was still in that mode of, like, I don't like this game. I want to know what happens at the end. So I, you know, I knew what was going to happen. So I tried, just out of curiosity, go in the operating room and just don't kill the doctors. But that's not an option in the game. If you just stand there, the doctors will just stand there kind of frozen or, you know, doing some idle animations. You have to kill the doctors to proceed. You, there's no other option. So that felt bad, uh, because we're going to get into Joel's choice, but it felt bad to kill the doctors, but you have to, Joel is obviously choosing to, uh, save Ellie's life over creating the vaccine. 
and then you escape. But let's kind of camp out on this choice that Joel makes here. So I kind of, in the moment-to-moment gameplay, I was very much like, well, hold on, let's talk about this. Let's like let's see if I can talk to the doctors about this. I was not in the you know rage to kill them and save Ellie that Joel is. Uh, so Joel chooses basically to possibly doom humanity because we don't know if there's somebody else who's immune. And if they're immune, do they mm. know that they're immune, et cetera, et cetera. So Joel is sacrificing the only known chance at a vaccine in order to save Ellie. And so that's the big choice here. So I guess I'll turn it over to you. What do you think about this? Man, I... I don't know. I really don't. (laughs) In my head, like, I I don't have kids. So in my head, the way I have to rationalize it is, again, with my partner. Like, if my partner was the one who was the cure for humanity, would I be willing to let her go in order to save everyone and you can you can take a step back and it can be very black and white when you take a step back but right if i put myself at in that moment in that situation i i don't know what i would do i truly i truly don't you know because it's 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 almost like a two-way fin like one side of your brain is rationalizing it and saying like hey you know this is this is about more than us and i think that's something that marlene says to him as well you know it's it's about more than just joel and ellie this is about the entire future of the human like human race but then joel's been through so much he's lost sarah and now you're trying to take away ellie from him having almost lost ellie like a couple of days beforehand to David. Um, and it's just like, I don't know. I my, my issue doesn't come from Joel's decision. It comes from the decision that he makes after his decision, if you right. know what I mean. Yep, we'll get there that, for sure. That's where my issue comes into it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think this ending is brilliant because... There is a super rational, correct thing to do. But when you're in the situation, when it's your people involved, when it's your, you know, basically adopted daughter at this point involved, when it's someone you love uh, involved, you're, you probably, most people probably would not take the rational route because being rational no. loses in these situations. Like the, the primal. Yeah instinct wins in these situations so i that's i just think this is like an excellent ending because as it's happening you have all these thoughts happening at the same time you're like joel do not stop them you have to let them do this but also joel i understand we understand because we know joel's history and everything he's been through Mm -hmm. and also when you get into the operating room if you're playing it the way that it's meant to be played, you start shooting, right? When you went in the operating room, did you start shooting or did you just kind of stand there and wait? No, yeah. I I went in guns blazing, mate. Right. I, I went in and shot everyone straight away. I didn't even want to hear what they had to say. Exactly. And that didn't happen to me because I knew what was going to happen, which is a shame. But there are other games 
where there have been similar situations where you start shooting as the the player without even thinking about why and then something happens that makes no you Russian. kind of yeah kind of reflect on like your actions as a player why did you just start shooting as soon as you go into the operating room it's because you're invested mm-hmm. in the the character and the story playing out all of these things are happening so quickly that Joel picks up Ellie off the table and runs out and he makes an understandable choice that is so clearly the wrong choice that I just think this is uh, just an excellent, excellent moment in the story. And I love it when games give endings that do not satisfy me in the way that like, I want the story to end Mm -hmm. if they pull it off it's excellent when a a story ends in an unexpected way that I'm like, no, that's not what I wanted to happen. And this is, I mean, this is just great in that way. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, it's like, it can't have gone any other way. Right. You know, if you, if you break it down, this guy lost his daughter, spent 20 years living on his own, has traveled across the U S with this girl, uh, nearly lost her twice now at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, and is just like I'm. I'm not fucking losing this girl again. I'm. I'm not essentially losing a second daughter. Yeah. Um. Where it gets, where it gets a bit grey in terms of his decision and stuff is the fact that this is what Ellie wanted, right? And that's that's kind of what causes uh what causes issues at the end. I mean, so like you before we get to the end, end you you leave the hospital. You're in the hospital car park. Marlene comes out and is like, you know, Joel, don't do this. And uh, you shoot Marlene and she's on the floor bleeding. And she's like, no, please, like, don't don't shoot me. And he's like, no, you just come after us. And then he shoots Marlene and kills the the head of the fireflies. So the the key thing for this is that Ellie never got to make this decision uh, that's about her. Joel makes the decision because when you're in the operating room and blah, 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 Ellie's under, she's out, she's under anesthetic. Mm. And so Joel makes this decision. Ellie has no say in what's happening. So we, we've talked about Joel maybe possibly dooming humanity, making the wrong choice, clearly the wrong choice. But then you have this extra layer on it that Ellie didn't know what was going on. Ellie never got to make the choice. And it's at the end of the day, this is her choice to make, mm-hmm. whether she sacrifices herself to save humanity. And when Marlene says that this is what Ellie would have wanted, I have no doubt that that's true, but Ellie didn't know. And so that makes um, you know how the game actually ends so good, like just an excellent way yeah. for the game to end. As far as Ellie was aware, there was going to be like routine tests and things like that. She she didn't know. She was fully expecting to wake up from the anesthetic. Right. Um, because Ellie makes a big deal about how she didn't know what her purpose was in the world and, and things like that. And she didn't know what she was supposed to do with her life in this post-apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she is given this chance to to have her life have meaning but isn't given that chance because she never truly knows about it and then the chance is taken away from her because joel kills the only people we know of that can make the vaccine right 
So exactly. Yeah. And then when she wakes up, she asks Joel, you know, did they do it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he, um, she, she says to him like, you know, did they manage to do it? And he's like, Oh no, actually kid, like they, um, it turns out there's loads of people like you. There are loads of people who are immune. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're like, Oh, we like, they gave up on trying to get the cure from you because they had a bunch of people who already had the cure. And, Basically, he says that the reason she doesn't have any, like, needle marks or, or anything like that is because they didn't need to test on her. Yeah. Um, and then Ellie sort of makes a comment. She's like, oh, okay, like, you know, that's weird, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you promise? And he's like, yeah, like, I, I promise. That's the truth. I'm telling mm-hmm. you the truth. And it's, I, I put on here on the notes, like, how much of a pivotal moment it is because it kind of, further it in a weird way it further solidifies this like father-daughter relationship they have going on like you said ellie knows that he is lying to her and he knows she she knows he has done something bad in order to protect her in some way she she doesn't know the specifics of it but it's very clear from the way the characters act and from the voice acting that ellie knows something has happened yeah and like i said i haven't played part two but i assume that this is a big part of at least some of part two right beautifully beautifully sets up part two like when you when you play top part two you'll just be like oh holy shit and i i beg you if you've if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I really like part Last of Us Part 1 and I haven't played Part 2 because I saw the controversy online and blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 just play Part 2. If you have access to it, play Part 2 because if you loved Part 1, you will love Part 2 even more, I would say. Yeah, I've heard some praise from people that I trust uh, that Part 2 is good and the I don't want to speak for everybody, but some people are angry with how part two turned out story-wise because it's not how they wanted it to turn out. And um, just some very poignant words from, I believe it was Ryan from Listoff who said, you know, it's good because you don't get to tell the story. It's not your story. You Mm -hmm. take in the story that's written. And the way that this game ends sets up a really interesting story. So I'm excited to play part two someday uh it's you know on my wish list we all have more games than we'll ever have time to play but i will like make it a priority to play part two sometime uh because the way that Mm. this ends with this this shared lie between the two of them where i i'm just guessing here and people who've played part two you you may think like you know um well i know how this turns out but i'm just guessing that this you know, perfectly is is a good way to drive a wedge between the two of them because there is this lie, there is a loss of trust now um, that, you know, could be explored in a lot of interesting ways. So the, it's just, the ending of this is so like, you know, it, it's Joel loves Ellie a lot and that is like heartwarming to see how far Joel has come. But it's also heartbreaking because uh, just Joel has made the worst decision and now he's got to live with it. Ellie has to live with it, too. And it's just, yeah, it's 
really affecting ending. It's endlessly interesting to talk about and think about because there are so many moral, you know, conundrums going on at the same time uh, in the ending of this game. Yeah, because I mean the 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 big part of it as well is that as far as we know, with the Fireflies dead, there is nobody else in existence that can get this cure. As yep. as far as we the player are aware, that cure is a hundred percent out the window. Yeah. And so with Ellie knowing that as well, she now knows like, well, there is never a chance that I'm gonna get to give the world this vaccine and this this cure that I somehow acquired. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say just to kind of tantalize you a bit, the this light is a part of The Last of Us Part 2, but there are bigger fins at play in The Last okay. of Us Part 2. And that's cool. all I'll say. Very cool. But yeah, it's, it's kind of this, as much as uh, it shows how much Joel loves Ellie, it almost kind of shows how much Ellie loves Joel as well because she's willing to trust him in a sense and just be like, okay, all right, I, you know, I'm going to accept what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, they they are both letting each other into one another's lives through what they know is a lie, but accepting like, okay, right, fine. That's, you know, I'm going to believe you. Yeah, and there's a scene after this, I think. I believe it's after the car ride. Yeah, it has to be because Ellie just woke up where Joel kind of flips that thing around and Joel says, you know, you remind me a lot of Sarah. I think the two of you would have been friends, um, stuff like that. And uh, that is Mm -hmm. just, you know, the final kind of, you know, the final checkbox for Joel 100% accepting Ellie into his life and actually starting to be willing to think about and process things that have happened in the past. It's uh yeah. yeah, just real good the way it ends. Just it's super bittersweet how the game ends. Yeah. Yeah. 100% and it 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 leaves you wanting more. You know, you're like you want to know okay, well, like what, is that it that we just has humanity just given up on a cure? Is Ellie going to grow up and go her own way and try and find somebody who can synthesize it and and sort of make a cure like yeah i I waited a very long time for that sequel (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i'm excited to give it a shot um we have not talked about the dlc left behind yet just real quick the dlc is broken up into two halves half of it is playing uh before ellie meets joel uh with her friend the one that got bitten she tells the story uh with sam And the other half is Ellie while Joel is kind of in a, you know, fever, uh, fevered state recovering from his, uh, his rebar impaling. Um, Mm. I thought the story of Ellie and her friend, I can't remember her friend, her, uh, girlfriend. Um, I thought that was really nice. I, I really enjoyed that. Just them being kids in this abandoned mall, et cetera, et cetera. That was nice. I did not like the present day one. I just didn't need it. It was it felt so unnecessary irrelevant. to me. Yeah, it's it's very unnecessary and I I think it also doesn't help the fact that the other side of it in terms of 
how Ellie got bit and how because her friend and her got bit at the same time and they they talk about like you know oh we'll we'll go out together and we'll sort of you know we'll we'll turn together and lose our minds and stuff like that and right. um, it it obviously never happens because right. of Ellie being immune. Mm-hmm. One thing that I think is really good about the present day section of the DLC. Uh, I didn't mm-hmm. really care for the story, and if it was not there, I would not have minded. But they uh, combine human and zombie enemies at the same time for the only time in the entire game in the DLC, which was cool because they will attack each other, and it added on a strategic oh, yeah, layer um, in the combat that I was meaning to talk about in the non-spoiler part. There it is. We can check it off for this episode. I forgot something for the (laughs) non-spoiler section, but uh, human and zombie enemies never mix in the entire game. But in the DLC, there's one encounter where they do, and it's really good. Like there's a bunch of humans, but you can throw a brick and have these clickers go over and just destroy them. And then you can kill the clickers Mm -hmm. or you can attract the humans to the zombies and have them kill them. And it's a strategic layer that I think the main game could have used. Uh, And it's so this DLC section is more fun. I also didn't need this section in the mall. Yeah, it's I I would have been a lot happier if it was uh, the section with Ellie and her girlfriend and everything that happened there. But also, I want to know how Ellie ended up on her own. Mm-hmm. Right, because she she makes she makes she has a line in the main in the game where she says to Joel, she's like, you know, everyone who ever loved me has died or left me, and now you're leaving me too. Because he's like saying that he's gonna abandon her. He's like, you know, I've done my mission. That's it. It's over. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well then, how did she end up in that situation? What happened to her parents? Like, you know. Give me, give me a bit of that as opposed to this kind of. While the gameplay is great, that kind of present day Ellie looking after Joel while he's recovering from his impalement, you know. Yeah, it's just Ellie looking for a med kit. That's all it is, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> but again, gameplay was more enjoyable than the main story, so I guess. You know, not so bad, but I, that, I do... That new element, yeah. Yeah, I, I did like the part uh, with Ellie and her girlfriend before a lot more uh, from a story perspective. Mm-hmm. It definitely added that that bit that we needed. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Uh, what do you say we wrap this up? We are coming up on two hours, 45 minutes or so. Hey, look, I love to talk and I love The Last of Us. Yeah. So this was a this was a deadly combination. Yeah, this is a good time. I appreciate you coming on the show to talk uh, The Last of Us. Oh, do don't. It's been a it's been an absolute pleasure. The honor is all mine. Absolutely wanted to come on this show for a long time. So I'm it's good to finally make it happen. I remember talking to you about potential games uh, to get you on the show, and I I don't know how The Last of Us came up, but when it did, both of us were like, "Yep, let's do that one." That's that's gonna yeah. be us. So <laughs> I think you you showed me a list of backlog stuff, and I was like immediately I was like, oh, you're gonna play The Last of Us? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how uh, that's how a lot of guest and game matchups happen. I just throw a big list of stuff and let you pick. So I was happy to play through this. I'm glad I did replay it, and um, 
Of course, happy to talk about it with you, man. Appreciate you coming on the show. Everyone listening, please, please check out Play Along Podcast. They do a lot of good stuff over there. Um, Check the show notes again for the link tree for Play Along. Highly recommended. And tune in next time for the next game that comes out of the backlog. (laughs) 